What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is journalist, author, record label head, and founder of the blog Passion of the Weiss, Jeff Weiss. We spoke about a lot, including Succession, The Sopranos, the lack of comedies in modern Hollywood, why Field of Dreams makes him cry, his extensive history as a music journalist, and the value of using POW on his record label POW recordings to put on for the best of hip-hop and journalism's rising talent. Come fuck with us. What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back to Real Notes. Uh, I don't know what episode this is anymore. I stopped counting. I feel like I say that every time I got to stop. I just got to do the thing. But either way, hi, I'm Dylan. I'm Cinema Sai. Um, I'm all over the place. I do a lot of things. And those are names that I have. And uh, I'm talking to somebody today who also does a lot of things. <laughs> like He like does the most things of anybody in this entire game that I know. It's kind of wild. Um, man's a writer. He's an editor. He runs um, a magazine and a website. The land and passion of the Weiss. He runs a record label. I, I'm I'm not gonna list all the shit that he does, but like hardest one of the hardest working people in music. One of our best writers. It's the man. Fucking Jeff Weiss is here. Man, what's up, Jethro? How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. No, of course. Thank you for coming on. Like I know, I know you're all over the place and doing 80 billion things. So you taking time to talk to me means the world. <laughs> Yeah, no, of course. It's yeah, I'm no, sorry. The, the last time we were, I was like doing a story on the DA, which was yeah, so that's the next issue of the land, which comes out probably, it'll probably come out on the time this drops. So yeah, it's been that we just put that to bed. And now I'm starting to, you know, get back to my book. And so yeah, we'll see. Right. Incredible. <laughs> this goes, you know. <laughs> man that's incredible so yeah you know like obviously i want to get into as much of this stuff as i can but let's start with the first question i ask everybody who comes on here what was the last movie or tv show you watched that you have a strong opinion about um i mean like i i'm like re-watching succession for the fourth time so that's probably the like the thing that i'm strong i i i'm pretty obsessed with succession i have like other people discussed like their love of succession not yet not okay. yet <laughs> so um yeah it's probably i was talking about this with paul thompson yesterday and we were both like through the first 23 episodes i think that succession is the best television show ever made i like wow. this i i this the, during the pandemic it's like i i more i tended to be more of a movie person than a tv person like i grew up in a house where like we didn't really have cable till i was like older and like we never had like like the HBO Showtime kind of cable stuff. So I never really like, you know, and, I, and then prestige TV like really started when I was like at college or like in my twenties. And I just never really like, I, so I never had seen the wire. I had never seen the Sopranos. I had never seen twin peaks. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch them all during the pandemic. Um, and yeah, so I, I now have seen all the things you're supposed to have seen. So now I, I am not as dumb as I once was, although still kind of dumb, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, but I, I think the Soprano, the Soprano, like my, I, I, I think the Twi- Twin Peaks is probably like overall my favorite, even though I was never really a David Lynch person. I guess that would be the other thing that I would say is I just watched Twin Peaks: The Return, which I had never seen. I mean, I'd never seen any of the Twin Peaks stuff. I, I, I watched like Mulholland Drive when I was in college once, and. I just thought it was like the most, you know, of course I was like, oh, this is so pretentious, like blah, 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 yeah. insufferable. Like, how can anyone think this is good? I'm so much smarter than all these like nominally intelligent people that think this is the greatest thing ever. And of course, like, I just didn't get it because I was 19 or 20 or something. And and also like David Lynch requires a certain like buy-in, I think. Like you kind of almost have to have seen Twin Peaks to kind of get it. More I also, or less, yeah. I love noir. So, um you know twin peaks really spoke to me because it's almost like this like douglas cirque meets like 1950s noir which i thought was really cool um and uh, you know but even the first season like i liked it but i wasn't obsessed with it and really wasn't until like i i kept i kept going through it and watching the return i mean and that like honestly is probably as good as like any art film i've ever seen in my life i mean like that if anything that's like louis bonwell or dolly you know surrealism I thought I thought that was incredible, but Succession to me is almost like, I you know like I the 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 wisest bit of advice I've ever gotten in my life was I interviewed Paul Thomas Anderson once, and he was like everything should be funny, and I was like well, what do you mean everything should be funny? He goes everything should be funny, and I was like I thought about it, and I was like yeah you're right everything should be funny. That's totally right. Like that is a hundred percent accurate. Not and yeah. So Succession for me is like King Lear if it was Arrested Development. So it's like Shakespeare meets Arrested Development. It's the best. I I love it. It's so good. And um, the acting is also probably other than The Wire. I mean, I think Succession's acting is better than like any show I've ever seen, probably, to be quite honest with you. But The Wire's probably was the close second because, I mean, they're all like, they, they get a bunch of like, you know what I mean? It's like McNulty, like being British. And like, it's the same. Right, yeah. How is this guy British? And Succession's like that too. It's like, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Not yet. I'm gonna get grilled for it, but I haven't seen it yet. Missing out. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm um, I'm no, like the. I feel like. I feel like. Oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Go on. I was. I was just gonna say. I feel like I'm the only person on the internet who hasn't started watching Succession yet, and I'm a big Brian Cox fan. So I'm like really. I'm really depriving myself. I know, but I've never seen anything with him in it actually, and it was like funny where I was like talking again yesterday. And I was like, it's crazy because it's like he it's like him and like of like those actors of that generation. You're like, it's like him and Anthony Hopkins. And then like Paul was like, well, they were like both up. They were like the two Hannibals. And I was like, Brian Cox was Hannibal. <laughs> like I was like, I had no, <laughs> I'm like kind of oblivious on certain things. You know what I mean? I've, I don't think I've ever seen Silence of the Lambs in full. I've seen parts of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. You know what's crazy? I've never seen White Chicks in full. I know Silence of the Lambs and White Chicks are what. Same. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen those people. Like the first time I ever saw White Chick, like I saw it in a theater with one of my best friends, and I was my, uh, it was my, it was one of my best friends and my dad, and like my grandmother went into the hospital like halfway through the movie at like the all is lost moment when the two brothers are like, oh you're stupid, and they, and they have like the breakup. Like we had to leave right after that. So since then, I've seen the whole movie like like just never in one sitting. Like I've seen, I've seen it in parts. <laughs> in hindsight, the Wayans brothers were on a really weird run there for a while with white chicks. They did Juana Man, right? Wasn't that they that? did Juana Man? Yeah, <laughs> Little Man too. Wasn't that them as well? That was them. Yep. 
the weirdest thing about Little Man, and this is like one of those things where like a New York Magazine vulture column thing that I wouldn't write because like it's such a third rail topic for obvious reasons. But like, I think a lot about like R. Kelly's first trial and like where the attorneys were like, well, like, isn't it possible that someone replaced R. Kelly's face on that person's body in the video, like in the movie Little Man? And like, that was like their excuse was like, it was Little Man. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, because oh technology is possible because so. of the film Little Man. And like, just to think of like, how insane you'd have to be of an attorney to be like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, good. Little Man, we're, we're bringing this tomorrow to the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the American ju- judicial system is fucked. <laughs> Needless to Man. say, you know, like, but yeah, circa no cir- circa two thousands, circa two thousands American law, like just uh, like that R. Kelly money was singing all sorts of shit. I can't even imagine how much his lawyers were getting paid to defend that piece of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's amazing that he was able to like get free that first time, honestly, because it's like you're literally on videotape. I mean, it, right. yeah, it's uh, I mean, I mean, justice was 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 served. I mean, like he, he did get locked. I mean, it took a long time, but you know, eventually. Yeah. I, but I, yeah, I mean, it. Like, I almost think that like most of the time, if you have money, you. I mean, look at the same thing with like Robert Durst, right? Like that guy, like. Right. Walked, I mean, that guy's the most, like, how do you look at Robert Durst and be like, oh, yeah, he's innocent. Like, you're like, this guy, uh-uh. you just look at a photo of him, you're like, nah, he's guilty. Like, I don't believe that you can, like, think that somebody's guilty based on licking them, except in the case of Robert Durst, where I'm like, right. he's guilty of everything. <laughs> like, yeah, he's just got that kind of face. Nah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Also, like, you show up with the fright wig, you're like, you're guilty, dog. Like, we yeah, see, like, like, your eyes are too crazy come on <laughs> you already know that's too funny but i promise i'm gonna start watching succession as soon as i run through like the 50 or 60 other things that i gotta watch because <laughs> you'll, you'll get you'll get to when you get to it i watched i watched the sopranos for the first time in 2020 it's you get to things when you get to things you got to leave yourself these like little easter eggs later in life so you're like oh cool like i never saw this or read this or you know i i like that whereas like i never understood the people that were always like it's always like a type of bro where they're like, dude, you haven't seen this? What's wrong with you? And then you're like, I don't know, man. Like, I'll get to things when I get to things. It's like not yeah. a mine. It's just, it's just a, it's a lacuna. And maybe it'll, it'll eventually make more sense. Like, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have seen Mulholland Drive when I was like 18 or 19. So I would have like not, you know what I mean? So I would have been like, oh, you'll wait to this when you get to this. I still haven't read Ulysses. Um, Me either. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anybody has. But I'll eventually read it, barring my untimely death. And, you know, I've never read Infinite Jest. I'll I'll eventually read that. I'm not really in a rush to read a thousand page books, you know, but, you know, eventually I'll, there'll be another pandemic or something and I'll I'll get to it, you know. Yeah, you know, that's that's, that's what these things are all about. Just taking time to, taking time to to like fucking mainline culture for two weeks. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, so, you know, like it seems, it seems like you already have a pretty expansive, um, and intimate relationship with film. So like, what's the, what's the first movie experience you can remember having? Like it could be at the theater, your cousin's house. It could be anywhere. Like the first time you remember seeing a movie. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the first time would be. I mean, I probably, but like, I definitely like for me, like I will always have a really deep and unabiding love of like 
like 80s comedies like that you know those are the movies i remember watching like in my childhood so like i mean i loved I, watching bill and ted's excellent adventure i thought that was like the greatest movie i still kind of think it's the greatest movie ever i haven't seen the new one but like uh I, that was another thing i'm like oh, i'll eventually watch it. but i love that that to me was like it, it was like everything i wanted in a movie because it was like funny goofy like west coast san gabriel valley stoners obviously i kind of talk like that you know i ended that you know i thought keanu reeves was like a great actor it turned out that was like, his entire life was ted um but like also traveling through history um i loved history when i was a little kid i still do so that was you know i mean i loved like major league that to me was like everything for me because i loved baseball and cursing and I thought that was, I, I thought Charlie Sheen was super cool. I'm mean, Ferris Bueller for sure. I remember watching when I was super young. My dad, my dad, like you know, like all like those those TBS comedies. Like I definitely like ran through all of those. Those are the ones I really remember. You know, and like I guess the Disney. You know, your Disney movies of like like a uh, Pinocchio or like Alice in Wonderland, those type of things. But yeah, it would definitely be like I mean, there was a period where like Bill. And, I mean, Wayne's World. I mean, like I to me was. I didn't quite get it at the time, but it kind of, you know, those kind of things to me are, you know, they never, the the one thing that always makes me upset, well, they don't even exist, A, A, they don't even exist anymore. So that makes me the most upset. Like, like one of the things I always wanted to do was make, and I, and I wrote a few scripts, like, you know, in about like 10 years ago and got like an agent and like, thought I was like, for sure going to sell them because I was like, these are really funny. And um, no, of course, I didn't sell them because you don't sell anything that's good in Hollywood. Or if you do sell, it doesn't get made. You know, you only right. can sell a script that like gets, you know, you can only get a script made if it's like, I mean, I knew a guy that sold a script called, Go- I mean, this is like, this is everything you need to know. I knew a guy who sold a script called Goliath, right? And it was like the biblical tale of Goliath told from the perspective of Goliath. And you're like, that's actually the kind of dumb movie that Hollywood would totally make. And like, they didn't right. even do that. And you're like, that screams, we will make this movie. But yeah, I mean, I love the 40, I mean, what was the $40 million comedy? Like a, a Zoolander, I loved Zoolander. That was like, I was obsessed with that. Um, like those movies, I mean, Ben Stiller, I was obsessed with. I mean, he was one of my favorite, you know. Right. And I loved. Um, you, they don't make those movies anymore, and yeah, that really. And well, it's obvious why because they don't scale to like comedy doesn't translate in other countries because like com that's the beauty. It's like regional rap, right? Like that's why those are like my favorite things because like comedy specific. Like it, it like it's depending on like all these like in jokes of a culture and like rap is like kind of regional rap is sort of like that. You know, it's like, it's not supposed to be outside of that region comedy, you know, the region being America theoretically, you know, but it doesn't, you know, you're going to, you're not going to make Zoolander and it's going to make like $300 billion in China or something, you know, but like whatever, like whatever, you know, Marvel movie will, of course. Um, and so that, like, that's a real heartbreaking thing to me. Like the fact that they'll never make, you know, they don't make sports movies like that anymore because not really, you know what I mean? Like, again, like those are mid range movies and, 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 and uh, yeah, it's kind of killed, you know, I don't, the other problem I would say is, you know, comedy's probably, I mean, I'm I'm not about to sit here and be like, cancel. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to go on that tirade, but I can't, I do think comedy's not funny. Like, I don't think much is funny right now other than, and that. I don't think that's necessarily because of like the cultural element of it. I just don't think like, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day actually, cause I was like, like 
it was talking about like the death of culture, right? Like and all these things. And like, I forget what it was. It was like music or film or like why there aren't as many good things made. And of course, like there always are going to be good things made, but why there aren't like the number that cut through. And I honestly think it's because there are not these like support systems. Like we always blame it on the artists, but like in reality, it's like more often the support systems. It's like, why is there not good journalism? Cause no one's right. fucking paying for it. No, there are not alt weeklies. And, and daily newspapers left to nurture talent. Why are there not great movies? Because no one will make a $40 million movie that are often great because they want to make a $400 million movie that is often terrible. You know, and like, cool. Like I've seen a few Marvel movies, like Iron Man was good. Like I get it. Like I'm not saying no, there shouldn't be those movies, but it, it's weird. Like I remember being a kid and being like, why are there no superhero movies? They should make a lot of superhero movies. I remember distinctly having that thought at like eight or nine years old. Cause like the only superhero movies were like the Batman movies. Right. And, and like, you know, now it's like, why are they only making superhero movies? You know, I mean, and, and granted, I mean, yeah, like you still get a Wes Anderson will be allowed to make his, I want to see his new movie. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson has that new movie coming out. I'm sure it'll be great. Tarantino still makes his movies, but like those are like three people. And where is that next generation of talent that's being nurtured the same way? I don't, maybe I'm out of it. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not like, I, I would never portend to be, pretend to be like a, like the biggest expert on film or whatever you know I've, i i love it but i'm not like you know i'm not i would never call myself like you, you know i'm not like one of those people that sits there and has i, I don't have a criterion collection subscription i should but like right. i just I, you know i just haven't but um yeah i think there's not really the support of of things like i don't think comedy movies get the kind of support i don't think tv shows necessarily i mean there's no good sitcoms left you know like there's not i mean there's not many very many funny things i mean when i think about the things that have been the funniest over the last few years i'm like succession i think is really funny um nathan for you i thought was really funny but again that's like a gonzo sketch comedy kind of thing yeah same with um same with like i think you should leave which i love yeah it's funny funny. yeah yeah it's funny i mean it's kind of stupid but that's the point you know it's i like (laughs) i got put on it recently i thought it was funny um but yeah, like it's like I want more. Like I mean, I, I like I actually kind of like Shit's Creek. To be honest with you, like people like hate it. Like like my friend. I love I, I love Shit's Creek. I don't care. I, I think I it's great. Surprised. I was surprised how much I liked it. Like I was like same. Yes, like kind of. Well, I, I think Eugene Levy is really funny, and I think like um his son is funny. Um, and I thought the acting was good. I thought um like alexis was i don't know i mean what's it called i the thing is like if people are talking shit you're like i don't know how do you not like eugene levy and Catherine o'hara like those are two i mean yeah like i love guff like you know the christopher guest movies those to me are like my favorite things in the world but Same, again where's the christopher guest like they don't because again the talent isn't cultivated like that you know it's like i thought like sandberg and those guys and obviously they did executive produce i think you should leave and i think akiva and, and yorma directed them and those i think they're really talented guys but like you know, I shouldn't say this publicly because I know one of the screeners of Palm Springs and he's a great guy and very talented guy, but I did not care for that movie. And it just was like one of those things where everyone like loved that movie. And I was like, ugh. And like that to me is like the kind of mid comedies that they make now. And that kind of like, I just want something like where is like a Zoolander could never get made. Like even, you know, uh, like in the uh, same thing, like the Apatow guys, that was like really the last rush I thought of the movies that I genuinely like, like you know, cause I like, like, I love like a serious drama, but like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not in the mood to watch that shit. Like I usually watch stuff late at night, like at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. 10 o'clock and I'm like, I don't have the patience. Like I've been, you know, I've been trying to watch 
A Walk on the Wild Side. Are you familiar with that movie? Yeah. Is that, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm thinking of A Trip to the Moon. Completely different movie. I don't know this one. Yeah, it's it's like a Burt Lang. I think it's Burt Lancaster's like the star of it. It's based on this Nelson Algren novel. I think I think from the '60s, Jane Fonda's, and it was like one of her first roles. But like, you know, I've been trying to watch it now for the last three weeks after I, I finished the reread of the book, and like, I don't motivate to watch it because I'm like, oh, I'll just watch Succession or Curb, you know, or the okay. new Curb. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that, like, I mean, it's such a trite take, but I mean capitalism did kind of like this version of capitalism i'm not like one of those people that thinks like oh cap i mean capitalism can have value it's not you know what i mean because it pretty like it just became when capitalism became unchecked greed it's like when it became everything like i mean it's always i guess been rooted in the sense of exploitation but when it became it's just like everything in american life that's why the sopranos right has a relevance right now because it's just like it like even the mob couldn't get over you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. I, what's the wire, right? And it's like, this country used to make things. Now it's about putting each other's hand, putting our hand in someone else's pocket. You know, and that's like kind of what film in a lot of ways, you know, it's like it, uh, good stuff is always going to slip through. But it's like, you know, it's like, it's, you see it in sports, you know, where it's like, right, they're talking, I, I don't know if you watch baseball. Not, not really. Nah. <laughs> like one of the things they did over the last few years is something called the bullpen game, right? And so the bullpen game is where you don't have a, like one starting pitcher. You, you put a bunch of relief pitchers in and they all pitch like one or two innings. Right. And so you have five or six pitchers or seven pitchers even more in the course of a nine inning game. Right. That fucking sucks though. Nobody wants to watch that shit. Like, it's like, I don't want to like, I like the NBA still, but like also like analytics has fucked it up. Like, I don't, sorry. Like I don't need to watch like corner threes all day long. Like it's not that fun for me. Like, it's cool. I still enjoy it. I still like, watch every NBA, the NBA almost every night. But, like, what's up with the, like, I want, like, aesthetics. I want style. There's so much more than money. There's so much more than winning. There's so much, there is, like, something deeper. And that is something that is permanently lost, I think. And that, that I think, infects all aspects of society. So I think, like, right. there's no way to talk about anything without kind of addressing, like, the one thing, which is, like, we're all a bunch of whores. You know, and we kind of have to be now because we can't, you know, no disrespect of horrors or anything. I mean, there's a, you know, but of course, I don't mean, I don't mean that as a pejorative. I'm, I'm not referring to, yeah, just, you know, you have to be clear in 2021. I'm not referring to sex workers anyway. I'm referring to the fact that we all have to do a bunch of things that we hate um, because there is not like the chance to do really good work. There is, but it's, it's, it's increasingly rare. You know what I mean? It's like it. Even like with the book that, you know, like I'm like writing where it's like, I mean, I'm very, don't get me wrong. I'm super immensely grateful to have my publisher, my editor. They are amazing people um, who like are really taking a chance on me. But like, you know, I'm sure I could have sold it to a bunch of other people, you know, because Britney Spears is sort of like, if I was like, I want to write some like tabloid bullshit, like exploited Britney Spears thing with a little hint of serious music criticism, I'm sure I could have gotten a six figure advance because that's the worst version of what I wanted to do, you know? And I think everything is like, you know, it's like, it's look at, I mean, like today, like we're having this interview, it's like, you know, going off on another rant, but like, you know, Dave Portnoy, did you see the thing where it's like Dave Portnoy is like, you know, basically, and it's like, yeah, of course, Dave Portnoy is exactly what we thought he is. And he will not get canceled because there is like you, you know, it's that old quote of like, no one ever lost money betting on the lot, you know, the lack of, intelligence of the american people and 
it's like sad. Like you're like Dave, a guy like Dave Porno is always going to win in this country. Yeah. Um, and no matter how much he, how many evil things he does or how terrible Barstool is. And it's just, that is, you know, and it used to be, I think that there were like, you know, Barstool was like, there were more winners, I suppose. You know, that's kind of what it feels yeah. like. Like you look at it and it's like, obviously right for Pitchfork now, right? But like, there should be four Pitchforks and there aren't four Pitchforks. And like, there nothing has replaced Pitchfork or then that, I, excuse me, I don't mean replaced, but like come along to add an addition to Pitchfork. Yeah, there's no next generation yeah. is what you're exactly. saying. Yeah, yeah. Pitchfork did the Rolling Stone where you're like, okay, it's, you know what I mean? There's nothing. And it's like, wait, it's like, like it's like, it's not, and it's like, even like, look at like something like, like POW Passion, the Weiss, like the amount of money that we can make is, 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 is so it's like next to nothing. You know what I mean? It's like it, you know, it's like now we're finally able to not lose money because we have a Patreon and we're like, but like, again, and, and it goes back to all these like choices you have to make economically where it's like, I know that I could probably get 2000 people to pay $5,000 to pay, to pay $5 a month for a, pw right so that means we're making one hundred and twenty thousand. you know yeah probably you know if i get all right so yeah you'd make but about 100 and, yeah one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year or, or maybe 140 in my math like i'm like shaky headed but anyways a lot more money than we're making now like in fact like 10 times the amount of money that we're making now but like then that becomes a thing where it's like okay well no one can read it then you know then like then i i, I walled off my site and I, I'm hoarding this information. I'm like, I'm not allowing young writers to get their work exposed to people. And like, I mean, granted, I could pay them more if, you know, we were making a lot of money. So, I mean, it is like, there's a trade-off, but that fucking sucks. Like I can't, you know, there's not advertisers in it. Like there's not, unless you want to like, you know, basically lie. And that's like, what has been the story of media? It's a bunch of like con men. I mean, Shane Smith, like a con man. Dave Portnoy is a con man. Um, those are the ones that succeed. Uh, I mean, the 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 Aussie is that what it's called? Yeah, Aussie. that's the perfect example. You're like, yeah, that's who makes money. It's like even with the land, I'm like, yeah, I know how to make. Like, it's like if I ever fail, maybe it's because of my own personal failings. But qu quite often, I found in my failures in life, and I don't consider them failures. I consider them just like choices. You know, it's because I didn't want to like be a con person you know what i mean i don't want to be a con man like it's the land it's like i see how to do it like you can you can do it it just requires a certain it requires destroying everything that's good <laughs> you know what i mean and it's like and I, i'm trying not to be too cynical but that's and i feel you know to go back to what we're saying because my problem with film most of the time now is like yeah you get these people to slip through it's always easy to point you you'll find 10 good movies but like it's not the, the, the beauty to me of film was that like there was this breadth of things, not just like, okay, here's a bunch of Marvel movies and now we're going to have Nomad Land because we needed to win an award to prove that like it still exists. Right. I haven't yeah. seen I'm sure it's like very meaningful or whatever in its depiction of, you know, the working class Amazon people, but like it doesn't seem like a very, I, I don't know. I just can't. It's fine. I can't it's, it's, watch that for three hours. It's sad. Yeah, it's it's fine, but it's sad. You know, I get that. Yeah. And to kind of to kind of emphasize on the point you made about like they're not really being any comedies anymore. I think about that a lot. At least like you know, like at least on like the Hollywood scale, it's really sad to think about it because like you think back to like you think back to like when Step Brothers came out. Like yeah. it like it felt like a like growing up because I'm because like I'm about to turn thirty. So like that was me like middle school like high school era. Like that was. 
there was just this like influx of like big budget comedies that yeah, like you just like that was like the last run I think. right exactly yeah you were saying that about the appetite guy yeah like, it, like yeah. you just don't see that shit anymore and totally. like comedy comedy kind of lives comedy kind of lives and dies on like streaming services and like you know like what is left of television at this point and i think that's a big part of the reason why people gravitate toward stuff like that because like you know like it like like, like unless you unless you have the ability to go to like an independent art house theater which not everybody does or if you can like find the shit on like a streaming service somewhere like you're probably not going to find like the funniest stuff you can look at yeah. type shit like and and that's uh i think that's indicative to everything you're saying about how like just all these trade-offs of just like between um like i don't know like like you know like i think to myself like what's like who's like who's gonna be the next star Lido, and what are they gonna look at that's gonna be their stepbrothers that inspires them to do that mixtape run you know like that type of shit you know like i can't think of what that it next thing would be probably was mozzie uh, yeah okay 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 mozzie's probably you know 32 or 33 now so i mean there will always be that but it's like i mean you know and i think like but again like you know i, I was having this conversation like recently about like the middle class of rappers you know what i mean it's like in yeah. a, it's just everything it's the middle class of everything in american life right and that's what's been gutted you see that in magazines you know the new york times is fine the washington post is fine i mean we'll see i mean like i, I don't think <laughs> understand how long I don't, I don't think people understand how precarious everything is. Like, it's like, you know, even uh, I'm from LA, right? And it's like, if Patrick Soon Cheong, who's the owner of the LA Times, who's like one of the rich, I think he's the richest person in LA. If he decides tomorrow, I don't want to fucking deal with this shit, then LA's fucked. Like, the, the whole West Coast is kind of fucked. Like, where are you going to get news? I mean, that's a, there's a scene in succession where it's like, it's, it's fitting. Because like, you know, um, like the 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 Roy family who are like basically a surrogate for the Murdoch family, right? Um, he wants to like avoid like this hostile takeover, so that they, they want to like buy uh, some like it's like a hybrid of like like a better CNN and the New York Times, right? It's based on like kind of the Salzberger family and and uh, the Graham family of the Washington Post, um, and they're trying to buy it. And then Shib is one of the characters in the show is like, well, you know, like where am I getting my news from? <laughs> like, and she's like, I mean, like and her uh, fiance was like, oh, we have news. And, and and she's like, yeah, but I'm not, yeah, but no. She's like, yeah, outside of like, you know, the New York Times and or the LA Times or wherever, you know, the Washington Post. And like, and she's like in 40 angry young women on Twitter. Like, there's just not, there's not that much to like, you know, and it's really precarious. I mean, it's like it, you know, I, I think we saw that in every industry over the last few years. I mean, look at like journalism during the pandemic. I mean, like how many right. publications, like, I mean, are like a shell of themselves, you know, like it like, I mean, like, uh, you know, I always go back to LA Weekly, but I got an email yesterday from somebody being like, you know, and for those who don't know, I, I used to work for LA Weekly for about a decade and I was right. a full-time, oh, not a full-time, I was a weekly music columnist for uh, about six years yeah. and it got bought by a bunch of like right-wing Trump loving ghouls and they gutted and, and and fired basically everybody on the paper and they're still going in like a shadow form and it was like it was like some like 10 best artists and like you can pay la weekly to be in it and like it says it's branded content but it's like not really you know what i mean it's like it's the whole thing is so fuck you know it's just like that is what it you know and like 
I don't know. I, I really, I think the, I mean, I think it's hard. I mean, I like, I think there's also on the other side, you know, I think there is some, maybe some, like, I, I, maybe it's too hard, but like, I feel like there is a certain ennui among um, millennia, younger millennials and, and or middle-aged, middle-aged, like, and Zoomers, like, oh, we can't do anything. We can't start things. We're going to all be these independent, you know, like wild gunman, influencer, journalist, whatever, whatever. Right. And that's cool. Like, I'm not hating on it. Like, I mean, like, you know, you can do good stuff. I mean, not like as an influencer per se, but like, you know, um, I mean, I guess you can do good stuff as an influencer, but I'm going to roll my eyes at it. But um, the point is like, you kind of need to like band with people and like do things and like it's really hard and like I don't know but like I don't, I don't even know if it's possible anymore but I think the goal should be to kind of work together and build like new institutions and to be honest with you I have not seen that much and that's um maybe it's too hard maybe the game you know maybe the game is too rigged now that's it's partially valid but um yeah I just haven't seen it the same way that I hope to um you know like where I like again to build the next whatever it is and it just doesn't maybe maybe just capital has just taken you know it's just too the the, the buy-in is too high you know like but yeah it's like i don't know think of like cool indie labels i haven't seen that many cool indie labels from this generation i mean some artists are doing cool stuff but like i don't know what's the next like sub pop what's the next matador what's the next merge what's the next i mean you know i don't know whatever i'm rambling yeah <laughs> it's 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 like you know, I really feel like it's just so uh, I feel like everything is just really creator based. Now, I think I think I think like not even not even just for not even just for creators, but like I feel like people are just more in the mood, L- like especially considering how much capital is kind of yeah. like flattened everything. I feel like people are more um, people are more attracted to people that they can like see and touch and relate to and like that direct like that direct like farm to table type shit, you know, like, and I think, and like, that's one thing I love about kind of like running through all of this right now is just seeing so many like grassroots efforts like POW and POW recordings and just like just seeing so many artists take it upon themselves to like build something that they can kind of call their own. And, and like, I think, I think that ethos, like it's like, I don't think it's as prevalent as it should be like, but there's at least there's at least like templates and like blueprints and people to look at and be like oh i want to be like that you know yeah. it's just it's just like on a much smaller scale so yeah. it's like not as exposed even 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 if like every publication ha- was like fucking like signal boosting and it. it's you know like it, it's only going to go so far but it's just yeah. like no, I, I think that just kind of speaks to how you know like we like people always talk about the death of monoculture right and how like there's this no how like there's no like big like world binding events like outside of maybe like a drake or a kanye album you know like and i think i i think like the stuff that goes on like you know better than anybody like the stuff that goes on in the corners might not be as big and it might be in these niches but like it's so potent you know like you look at something you look at something like don't come to la like the shit that y'all do like and just like stuff like that and like seeing people like Greedo and seeing people like Draco and just all the like just seeing all this regional shit like you've been talking about like it's it's potent you know like LA rap is potent Detroit rap is potent 
like Tennessee rap is potent. New York rap is potent, you know, like, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, I was just going to say like, that's just like, I think like, I think that's where everything is at least like to me, that's where the most interesting stuff is happening. And that's where, and that's where like people are really starting to put their money behind that now, like in a way where like you see like, like I was just thinking about this earlier today, like the fact that like we're at this point where the two most popular forms of the two most popular forms of listening to music are streaming and vinyl, which are like the two complete extremes, you know, like it's like it's like the most convenient form and then the most inconvenient form. Like there's no in between anymore. It's one or the other. And that's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, like to me, that's like the only stuff that's ever but I mean, I felt like there was a period, I guess, when I was growing up. I mean, like, and there have been periods where, like, the best rappers were the most popular rappers. But I don't know. I cannot say that anymore. Like, that is yeah. not. Like, that shit is, like, I mean, rap caviar shit is garbage. Like, and I'm not saying that. Like, it's shit is awful. And it's, like, ugh. or, like, I mean, there's some good stuff that, like, cuts through. You know what I mean? It's, like, I, here's the thing. It's, like, I like Little Baby. Like, he's cool. Like, I'm, like I thought his album last year was was actually quite good the deluxe version but yeah like, it's good he's a perfect artist for the streaming era right because he's like a third wave replica of young thug and even for young thug to become the most popular version of young thug he had to kind of like sand off the eccentricity and weird yeah. whereas like i mean like i'm not like you know no shade on young thug he's one of the greatest of all time but it's just yeah like, truly it, it just seems like in the last five years like since like the peak of thug and future the best shit hasn't been i mean regionally it is though which is interesting right where it's like in LA, like the most popular shit, you know, is probably like it's all good. Like, you know what I mean? There's like Draco, Blue Bucks, I like, um, I like Remble. Yeah, um, Remble's fire. Shout out to Remble. <laughs> those kids that are like popping, uh, the Babystone Gorillas are dope, like, you know, all the the Hooper, you know, all that shit is good. Um, you know, and that like I feel like that on a regional level, but that again, that's so outside the system. And like, you know, it's it's rap it's just like everything you know it got kind of like you know film unfortunately is one of those mediums i think where it's just the, the cost is so expensive you know what i mean it's right. so money you can't just go to a studio and just record you know it pre- i mean you can you can make a movie with an iphone but like can you i mean you can but like it's i, I don't know mean, tv same you know it's like you can't make like really good like but i mean you like cheap tv you know what i mean there's like no diy tv yeah there's no public access anymore type shit yeah i mean i guess like it's a ray i mean you can put it on you i mean she obviously got insecure off her own youtube series and that that does which is fire yeah yeah that's cool i I respect anyone that does that stuff i respect anyone that's doing it independently and like can like level up to the 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 next level um but i do find in my limited dalliances with with those industries you know mostly with doc stuff but even with you know scripted stuff it everything I want to do is always too fucking weird or it's too esoteric or it's like, and it's like not is the thing. Like also there's like a racial component that's involved and a class component that gets yeah. involved where quite often, um, you know, if it's a story about a black person, it has to be like the most famous black person, you know what I mean? Or it has to be, it's not working class black people. It's like a story of like, you know, something closer to insecure where it's like more, you know, typically of like middle to upper middle class kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Story yeah. About like, you know, I tried to do the Draco story a thousand times. And I know, you know, I, I granted I could have done a 15 part podcast, but like, I don't know to me like that to me, 
the podcast series is just like I mean I'll probably do one at some point in my life but I just find like the 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 10 part podcast thing so uninspiring like I I just don't it just doesn't sound that appealing to me like it's so it's just I guess what I'm getting at is like the problem with everything now is like it's like you have to have like an idea then you have to have the story then you have to do a podcast and maybe you can do a documentary and if all of them do well then maybe you can get a tv show or a movie right god can't you fucking just say something is good and do the thing but no you can't because everyone is fucking risk averse because yeah, everyone's, everyone's scared numbers and no one has any fucking imagination left and like part, part of that is our phones you know our, our phones are like slowly deadening our like will to live you know it's like mine too like i mean it's not like my brain is in such a robust state <laughs> you know like looking at fucking twitter and instagram 75,000 times a day it's like yeah right. like, they do great things for your cognition you know but i don't know i'm gonna delete it i swear oh but, man <laughs> one of the one, what not fully i'll just you know for the day so i can right you know like, get, get, or two. yeah you know we'll break we'll, we'll break free for a day or two everybody deserves that for at least a couple of days you know yeah it's not good good. like it like i don't don't know just like like but human beings and artists thrive well within limitations you know it like and like the in like it's like so my friend ran into like trey from fish randomly um and i guess he told her like um there hasn't been a good band since the iphone was invented and like obviously he i don't think he meant it totally literally but like i don't know like there's like i was listening so like um did you see the stirring list of the best new artists yesterday i didn't i didn't, I didn't read the list but i saw that it went out yeah cool list. i discovered a few good things i mean like i'm so deeply grateful that like uh chris deville and tom bryan put sharif fatboy sharif and gabe nandas on it which like i was a believe so excited and it was like i was listening to the band and it's like some of them were cool some were bad but like what, I, what the, the unifying characteristic and this is not a knock obviously the writers i think they they're picking the best like of I, I did find some really cool stuff but most of it was recombined sounds right they're all like picking from this like postmodernist like hybrid loop of things whereas like it doesn't have like rap to me is still whereas like rock used to kind of be like I, and I don't know, maybe it's because rock is like, you know, artists are scared to kind of like a lot of white artists are scared to, you know, take from like hip hop or whatever. I mean, because usually, I mean, let's be honest, it usually ones terribly. Yeah. But, but every now and then, like, or like someone like, like, I think of the Talking Heads, right? It's like the band that like did the most amazing stuff, right? They're taking from this like punk tradition, right? They're doing their own weird thing from it. Then they get into Fela, then they get into Found Sound and like Eno and My Life and the Bush of Ghosts and like all these cool things and they make it into something new and like I haven't really I don't know like I I haven't heard anything that great obviously I'm getting older so like whatever it's like you know partially my old ass brain but like I I just think like I hear it more in rap you know what I mean like I hear it in rap still I hear like I hear have you heard this kid Young Sloby one song maybe yeah, Al- Alphonse is uh, also a big fan of Young Sloby. I really like Young Sloby, and I'm about to be like that Paracel meme where she's at the baseball game with the guy, and he's like whispering in her ear, and he's like, <laughs> which is my life, sadly. Um, but so like Draco kind of like transformed the West Coast, like the LA flow, right? Like a few years ago, then that kid Briss picked it up in Sacramento, and then Briss started collaborating with the kids from Stockton a lot, you know, like Young, like EBK Young Jock, 
I think he might've done the song with Slow Beat, I'm not sure. Anyways, but so then like Stockton kind of picked up on this flow from Sacramento that came from LA. And now I think Young Slowby's doing something kind of interesting with it. But I don't really hear that with rock music the same way. Like in, in, in the way, even where I heard it, it sounded, and, and again, like it is a factor of youth, but it felt like a lot of the bands in the 2000s were more interesting to me um than the ones now but you know that could just be a function of age but i don't know I, I like to think that like when i hear something that i really like like it kind of will transcend even my like you know senescent brain right and just like make you make you make you love things and laugh yeah. at things and be sad about things that you didn't even think to do all that about yeah yeah like i love like 18 year old to 19 year old rapper you know what i mean it's like i heard rx yeah, i'm like Oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I haven't really heard, you know, it's like, okay, cool. You like post punk? Like, great. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I felt about Poppy when I first heard him too. And Poppy I was like, I, I, I was like, this is wild. I love this, you know, like just really like Yeah. Rap is still the only thing, probably in culture, other than succession. I mean, Larry is <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, like Larry is still the best. I mean, like to me, like that but again like who's the next larry david i mean like they, they don't i mean like even like a seinfeld like that show could never air and like i mean think about it like larry was like too fucking original for his own good like he was kicking around he was like he was almost 45 when seinfeld first came on yeah you know? and like he was like early 40s like nobody knew the fuck larry david was he couldn't last on snl you know what i mean he was like too much of an outsider and they don't really take chances on outsiders like i mean i don't know like maybe i'm like sound like I'm whining or something it's not what I'm trying to do but like I don't know like it like I could have had you know if people wanted to like you, you just don't see it no one hands you the keys anymore like and like even like you you remember this David Chase thing right like it's like I don't know he was like in school or something and like a professor liked it next thing you know he's writing on a tv show like that shit doesn't happen like what your professor liked it and all of a sudden you like got a writing you're gonna stick on like now it's like you either have to go to Harvard or like have a hundred thousand followers on Twitter or like have some, you know what I mean? It's like, it just doesn't, or like be like one of these like careerist, I'm a writer's assistant. And like, I was able to like, you know, your parents paid for you until you were 35 years old. And then all of a sudden you kind of got a staff on the show. Right. It's just, it's just um, there. I, 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 and I, I really think it has a lot to do with um, that. The, the, just like the, the soullessness the dead the, like it's just a deadened society and that it's not like people would point see this is like the thing right people would be like they'll they would negate that statement but like well but the writers were saying this in the 50s writers were saying this in the 60s and you know what they were probably right but it was there was more than you know what i mean and it's like like history doesn't ex i mean history it's, it's it's tricky right like there can be sudden cataclysmic shifts that do change like a consciousness i think more often than not there's a slow erosion we just happen to be living at the end of a slow erosion in 20 years it'll be way worse and then people are going to look back and be like oh well like that was so cool because succession was on the air right <laughs> you know, <or> whatever. <laughs> like david lynch got to make season three the return or, you know and like and, like draco was like a best new music or whatever you know what i mean right. like whatever the fuck people will say yeah, like Donald Glover, like 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 Donald Glover did what he did with Atlanta, you know, like yeah. But you yeah. know what? That was a fucking miracle, and only happened because Donald Glover a was very fucking famous. Yeah, he, he was willing to fight Netflix or uh, FX tooth and nail at every one of their terrible notes that I'm sure they had. I mean, like yeah. 
if you're an FX executive listening, I love you. Give me a show. But like, <laughs> but I, I mean, I know that like for a fact, like I've talked to people close to it. They're like, no, we fought everything. Like, you know, and right. you, by the way, you can only do that if you're really, really, really fucking famous. Like, Donald right. In multiple mediums, mind you, like not just, he wasn't just a famous TV guy. He was a, like a billboard charting musician and, and a comedian. And, um, but yeah. And like Atlanta and like, so, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Um, when I was trying to sell a show, nobody want about Draco or whatever, you know, when with Draco's participation, of course. And like, I mean, there's the fucking best story in the world. I'll tell you two things. One, you say the wire people like, like that's like the third rail. If you mention the wire, they're like, don't say the wire, you know, like, because I mean, probably a for <laughs> veiled racism that most of these white executives who are like holding up Black Lives Matter signs in their fucking windows don't quite understand the contradiction of the fact that they won't do the thing. You know what I mean? Like there's like, it's like this like neoliberal, like whatever, but they yeah. won't show about something like Draco because they'll say something like, well, we, there's already Atlanta on the air. And you're like, no rap isn't monolithic. Like, right. in fact, there should be 20 fucking rap shows in the air because it's the most fucking relevant medium in the history of fucking America. Like other than maybe jazz, but right. rap is the number one. Rap has been the most popular medium now for 30 fucking years. Jazz had like maybe 20 years. Like the blues was always an outsider art form other than like when like white people did their like kind of slick, boring versions of it. And like, it's just fucking lame. Like, and it's like, they'll, you know, why are there, why is or you get empire or something stupid like that, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Something just like, so like homogenized and yeah. just like, yeah, so it's like, come on. And like, you know? can't, and like, and like a, a lot of it is classism again, like Donald Glover, you know, and, and this is, I think actually, I, I think Donald Glover deserves all the credit in the world for, for Atlanta. Cause I think it is a really tremendous show, but he is able to kind of, walk the line between those worlds really artfully um and you know and he's depicting obviously poor and working class atlanta culture but also he knows what it's like to be in the rooms that you know the scene where they go into the streaming company at apple and you're yeah. like yeah oh, it's so good or whatever it is you know but it um it really is just like they just don't want to like people you know it's like I, I don't know like have you watched this new season of curb no, I haven't actually. <laughs> There's a lot that I haven't had the time to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good. Um, as all as all curb is, but um, it yeah, it uh, they they just like rip on like the Netflix. They like they have like a scene where like like Larry's making a show at Netflix, and the room at Netflix is like, I don't know. It's just perfect. It's just like it's just like all these like you know well-meaning, intelligent, nominally intelligent people that like are just trying to like you know, but like they just don't get it. And they probably never have, but like, I forget who said it, but there was like, we were all like, someone always once said like about the movies and this is so true. They were like, we're so much better off with like the old Jewish man, like smoking a cigar being like, I don't get it, but maybe it'll work. You know, like this like <laughs> asshole mogul from the, you know what I mean? Because they don't know what the fuck they're just like, yeah, it's good. Just do it. Rather yeah. than a bunch of CPAs, you know, it's everything is run by fucking CPAs now. No disrespect right. to CPAs. Some of my best friends are <laughs> CPAs. My dad is a CPA. <laughs> but I don't want my dad fucking telling me what's good <laughs> like you know what I mean like it's like come on like give me a fucking break it's just stupid real quick before we move on um like you all you, you saying all of that just made me think about um I was watching the Netflix series um the, the movies that made us 
because they just put out the, um, they did a whole bunch of Halloween episodes. They did um they did one on Halloween, one on Friday the thirteenth, and one on uh um Nightmare on Elm Street. And like just hearing hearing the story of the like hearing the story of how New Line Cinema came together and yeah. how the guy who was running it at the time like he bet the entire farm of the company on a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah like like if that like, like for anybody listening if that movie didn't do well new line cinema would have died before 1990 yeah. like it it, it would have been gone so you know like no like <laughs> nobody nobody's doing that anymore yeah. nobody no nobody's making those like like the amount of like the the part that was craziest to me was when like some of the crew were talking about how um oh i forget oh i forget the woman's name but i think she was uh she was like one of like the higher ups on the set and she had to go around to all the crew and be like, Hey, like we're like, in order for us to be able to do this movie, we're not going to be able to pay you for a week. Like she had to go tell them. And like, she was like pregnant at the time. And she had to like, go tell everybody like individually, like we can't pay you this week. Do you, can, can you still do this for us, please? I promise there's money coming. We just don't have it type shit, you know, like, Art and this is my risks. That's it. Right. That's yeah. Anything good will like not make sense to people. Like it just won't. Like and like and I'm not saying that I'm such a visionary where I. There's been plenty of things where I like again. David Lynch is a perfect example. Like I didn't get that the first time I fucking saw that. Draco, the first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, this is cool. I don't love this. You know what I mean? And it's like it really like, but like it's like same with. Thug. I mean, Thug I liked pretty immediately, but even Thug was fucking weird. But it's the thing is, Little Baby will have the six, twelve times the success Thug has had. I mean, maybe not 12 times, but like he's probably a popular streaming artist than Thug because Little Baby is the more sanitized version of Thug, even though like I'm, I'm talking about artistically, personal life, I, I have no idea. You know, Baby, I think is from all accounts is very much a real one. And I like Baby, but my point remains, it's like, you can't, like the safe shit is boring. Like no one wants, like there's no point, but like it'll, you know, it's like, I mean, even though I didn't watch Squid Game, but like, I don't know. You're like, that seems like a decent, like risk, like evidence of risks working. Oh yeah, you're, definitely. Like, I don't know. Like it, it, it just is one of those things where it's like, people don't trust themselves and maybe like we are a culture that lacks imagination. So maybe we do have to import the cool shit from South Korea. I mean, probably. I mean, but, most of the, most of the time we do, you know, like look at, look well, at something Departed, like uh, a great film. Like, <laughs> and um, oh man, there was something else that like just got, um, Oh man, not Akira. Uh, that's not happening anymore. I'm so happy. But there's something else that I was like watching that's like getting a get. Oh, um, well, it's well, well, it's not Korean or Japanese or Asian at all. But um, the show Ghosts on BBC. Uh-huh. It's it's this really really great show about this couple who like inherit this mansion and like a whole bunch of ghosts of people who died in the mansion across time. Yeah. like live in there and um the woman gets bumped on the head and she can see and talk to all the ghosts but her partner can't yeah. and like they did like three seasons of it on the bbc it's really really funny it's yeah. like it's three seasons like six episodes each half hour you can blow through it in like three days yeah. and they made an american remake of it and i'm like yo why like it, it like like i like it's a fairly british show but like not in a but it's not like impenetrable and it's really, really funny and like sweet and charming. And it's like, it's like, why, you know, like why, why do the American remake when the show is already on? It's like, it's like when, um, it's like when Netflix snatches up the live action adaptation of the anime that's already going through. It's like fourth or fifth or sixth arc. Like why do that to people? 
you know like i mean that's what it is though it's like it's all this like bloodlust for ip and like it's like it's just so stupid it's just like it's so beyond and it's you know what it is it's like i never understood this and I, i suppose this is a position of privilege on my part and i will readily acknowledge it but i also think no matter what kind of um situation i grew up in i'd always been a motherfucker ready to lose my job like i just you know what i mean and i think it's like if you want to be good at what you do, you have to be ready to lose your job at any time, no matter what. Like, and that doesn't mean be an asshole. That doesn't mean to be disrespectful. It just means stand up for what you fucking believe. Yeah. Just and have if, convictions. Yeah. But if you're like, you're, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Like, I don't know. Like I can be a stubborn. I mean, anyone who's probably worked with me could be like, oh, he's so like, you know, like he's stubborn. He, he thinks he's right. All the, I mean, I, 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 I'd like to think that like, I, I, I always listen. I don't always agree. I always like to think that I listen. Maybe I'm sure a bunch of people would contradict that. But um, <laughs> but I don't know. Like I know what I like. You know what? Like I am like I am going to fucking go down with the ship. You know what I mean? Like I I will. Like and that's and like people need to be willing to fucking go down with the ship. And no one does because everyone like you know it's a it's a real like lifeboat society where everyone's just like like plotting their next gig. And you see it in politics. Like I mean, it's like the thing. It's like you see in politics. It's like dude, like, how good can that job be? Like, I get it. Like, you're like, maybe you have power and you have clout, but like, you know what would give you actually like more respect from people? Like, if you stood up for yourself, you know what I mean? It's like, like, people would actually fuck with you. Like, and it's like, but it's like everyone, I mean, that's the thing in American culture though, is like, we always want more. Where it's never enough to be the thing. It's always like, what's next? I don't know. Yeah. Next might not be in the same flight pattern. You know what I mean? It might be like completely off, you know, it like, it doesn't, like, I don't know, like, it, it's like, it's like even this book, right? Like, I don't know, like, I know that the book I should have probably written first was like a rap book. I didn't want to write a rap book first. You know, it's like the next book I wrote, I, I published very well might be a, a children's novel, like right. you know, 50 page children's book. Like, I mean, a novel, air quote, but like, you know what I mean? That's like weird, but like, I don't know. Artists are supposed to be fucking weird. They're supposed to be, you know, like eccentric and like, and I'm not saying like self like calculatingly eccentric. I'm like, like to me, like the interesting people in the world don't make like sense necessarily. It's like, that's why I think Thug is really interesting. Future is fucking interesting. I'm out. Like imagine what the fuck goes on in Future's brain. Like he's fucking crazy. Like, like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> not all good for sure. But like, um, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm willing more, I'm more willing to like kind of, um, it is one thing I don't necessarily like about our society. And it's like, I, I think that like too much of it is dictated by like, um, I don't know, like, it, it, like we don't, people are like, I don't know, like all art, I'm not, I don't want to go in like the dumb trope of like all artists are fucked up, but like a lot of artists are fucked up. So I try to have more empathy, sometimes probably too much empathy. You ever like hear when Erica Badu speaks, like yeah. about, she'll say stuff and you're like, dude, Erica Badu, like don't defend that thing. And you're like, you're like don't, it's not right. But like, yeah. I can understand where she's coming from because it's such a place of tremendous empathy for like outsiders and weirdos and like eccentrics. And yeah, like, to a fault type shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and, and like, I get like, like you can't necessarily say that you don't want to be like that. There need to be consequences for people's actions, obviously. And like, I'm not saying like people should be like wild and out of pocket at all times. But I'm just saying that like it, 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 it like it, our culture is like, I, I don't fuck with, I mean, like I have some careers sides to me i'm sure you know what i mean but like i just don't get the whole like the 
we're just like a culture of like careerists, you know? And like, well now, I mean, now we're kind of a culture of no one wants a career, which I respect more, but <laughs> we all have to live. That's like why I'm like, people are quitting other jobs. I'm like, yeah, obviously like what? Like how much makes sense. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're just like consistently shuffling the board. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and that's like the blessing and the curse of yeah. working I, in this industry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't disrespect anyone who, it, mind you, I don't disrespect anyone that like wants a serious, like, I mean, like I, I take my work very seriously as anyone could know, probably way too seriously. I try not to take myself seriously. I probably do, unfortunately, but I try not to, but I take my work like deathly seriously to, to as many people would say to my detriment, but you know, and it's like, I, and I think like, it's important you know, I just think like, I, I guess my point about the whole careerism thing is like, you can't let your career get in the way of your integrity. You can't let your, um, you know, and like, again, like everyone is flawed, you know, like, you know, you know, one is going to be perfect. Like everyone, you can always pick a hole and, you know, I'm sure people can pick a hole in me. I mean, I've done articles where I'm like, yeah, all right. I wrote for that publication or I did that. You know what I mean? Like I do my best. I mean, everyone's got to live. So you have to like, you, again, like, I think the, the thing that's really missing from all this is like, feel like we either practice like too much empathy or too little <laughs> you know it's yeah. like there's very little like of like that's a reasonable amount of empathy but that's just america because america doesn't do moderation well you know right no yeah, yeah america's always been about excess bro like from the jump it was founded on excess yeah, you know so, like but dump some tea in harbor like <laughs> but that's a but that's a whole other conversation like <laughs> um yes on a whole other path son i'm like like I'm loving this so far. Like we're already, like, we're already like about maybe like an hour and change in. Yeah. Like I've only asked two questions, and those are the best kinds of interviews anyway. But <laughs> I wanna. Way too much. So, you know. Nah, man, you're in good company. I talk too much too. It's 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 honestly refreshing to hear somebody talk more than me. <laughs> um, but I do wanna um before we move on to stuff about you, like, and like your work more specifically, like we were talking about movies uh, many moons ago. And I wanted to know, like, you know, like as you, as you kind of grow up and like you said, you had this, uh, you had this basis in like comedy and you really kind of gravitated toward that stuff. Um, As you got a little older, like, when did you, uh, was there ever, like, when was the first, did you ever have that moment where you stopped looking at movies as more than just entertainment and something that you like, it doesn't even have to be in like an artful sense, but like, when did you first like connect to movies and like- like on a personal level? Yeah, yeah. like- uh, Field yeah, of like, Dreams, I must've been like like seven or eight years old. And like, still like probably the only movie that like, I mean, I haven't seen it probably in like 15 to 20 years, but like for a long time, that was like definitely the only, like I don't cry at movies. I'm not like a, a much of a crier, you know, not like in a weird way, but like, you know, I, I pick my battles with, 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 with a weep. You know, I like, feel you. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> like a breakup and a death are generally my thing. I'm not, I don't cry. People have been like, well, you don't cry of joy. I'm like, not, I've never been so happy that I've cried. Maybe that's because I'm like Jewish and I don't think I get that happy. But I mean, like, I get, like, I get pleased, <laughs> you know? I don't cry at the movies. Um, I've never really cried on a TV show. But I mean, maybe a little more when I was younger. But Field of Dreams for me, that to me was like the first movie that I remember being like, like, and because I guess it hit all the things that I loved at the time, which were like history, baseball, it had its own mythology, you know, um, like, you know, just like the story of like Moonlight Graham, I guess really affected me, you know, he like makes the major leagues and he, he's just like, it's like, I don't, he, I don't think he had in a bat, right? He was like a pinch runner or something. And like, 
you know, the, the old doctor like dying and going to the Burt Lancaster dying and going to the cornfield and like, you know, like just I, I like Kevin, like I loved the Black Sox scandal. I thought that was so cool. Like I like these baseball players betting and like did you ever see Field of Dreams? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I've seen Field of Dreams. Yeah. That's like eight men. I loved eight men out the movie when I was a kid. You know, I like was fascinated by the Black Sox scandal. And like I loved like, you know, and I just remember like, you know, I just the end when he like plays catch with like his ghost dad. <laughs> like I was just like, <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, and it's like, I guess I connected to like, having even then, like I guess I you know, connected to kind of just the difficulties of connection with, um, I think men like, and their fought boys and their fathers, uh, you know, I think it's probably gotten better, but like connect, you know, connect even like to this day. Like, I mean, my dad, I mean, God knows, I don't want to talk to him about politics. I mean, really like baseball is probably the only thing that like we can kind of like really talk about, you know, still like, I mean, we don't really talk about not much, but, um, but, but baseball was always the thing. And I loved baseball when I was a kid. Like I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Um, like I played in college and I thought I was like, you know, thought maybe, but um, clearly not. But yeah, that to me was the one. And like at the end of the movie, I would just, when he played catch, I would just like, and to me, that was just, I was, that was really beautiful. Like, you know, it was just like this, this, you know, like all this, like, I just loved, I love, I love, I, lo I like magic, I guess, like, you know, not in a kind of like, I mean, I guess in a way that was like maybe a form of magical realism field of dreams, you know, cause it's like a realistic thing. And then all of a sudden there's like ghosts in a cornfield, like playing baseball right. and um, some Gabriel Garcia Marquez for, for the heartland. But I don't know. I've never been to Iowa. I don't like not, you know, it just, but it, it really sort of chord with me. And I think that was the first movie I ever really, um, it's the first movie I ever really remember, like, being deeply emotionally affected to and I was super young like I was like seven or eight um I still remember like the theater you know it's like one of those things where it's like I remember the theater and the popcorn and like you know the Beverly Center in West LA like just kind of like this like classic 80s neon mall you know with like the icy igloo thing and yeah so I mean, right I yeah that's a moment yeah that's a moment <laughs> wow so like you know, Field of Dreams is, uh, I don't even know what else to say about Field of Dreams. I feel like you kind of just covered it right there. But like, that's definitely like one of those that, that like between like that and a movie like Angels in the Outfield, I feel like those two things, like I feel like Angels in the Outfield is kind of like, it's kind of like the more magical and less realist version of Field of Dreams. Like yeah. I loved all those movies. I loved Rookie of the Year, Little Big League. Um, I mean, The Sandlot, obviously. I mean, that was like a good time. You know, it was like, for kids movies now it's like i don't know like it doesn't i i don't i don't i don't have any kids um but, you know so i don't really i can't really assess children's movies now but it you know it just seemed like they were making kind of these kind of heartwarming family now i i don't think they make baseball movies for kids i don't think they i mean i guess there weren't that many basketball movies for kids ever um but i mean that's always been the, i mean white man can't jump i remember watching that as a kid and yeah. like, this is the best shit ever you know i love that <laughs> we had like we had like mike so i think that's mike. that's one of the only ones i can think of right now there's more but that's the one that always yeah. comes to mind white man can't jump not a kid's movie but maybe a kid's movie hey you know it's for the kids you know like it, it's not a kid's movie but it's for I the like kids for the children <laughs> but yeah 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 in like the wu-tang sense <laughs> yeah so like speaking of that you know like when did uh you know, like you have this moment with Feel the Dreams, like when did you, when did you first fall in love with music? And like, when did that really become a thing that you were like 
emotionally connected to? Um, when I became a mo, I, I mean, I I remember like like hearing music in the background. I remember like having like cassette tapes of like M- MC Hammer and like Ice Ice Baby when I was like a kid. I think the first thing I ever really like loved loved that was like my own was probably like, the Chronic when I was like ten or something. Yeah, and like um, and then. But like what really like connected like like I mean like because like the chronic you're like this is the best thing ever but like I wasn't like damn I'm really feeling the emotional re- resonance of this I mean I, uh, I mean you know actually probably like where I deeply was like because it's about the same time was probably like Nirvana you know like I would probably say Nirvana because I was never like much of a rock guy like there were only a handful of rock groups that I really like I liked like the grunge you know, grunge was like out at the same time as, as like the first gangster rap or the that era of gangster rap i should say and um so you know i was in like pearl jam and i was into like nirvana and soundgarden and alice in chains kind of didn't go that much deeper than that you know they were like kind of random one-offs i liked you know for certain bands and i loved um the doors and i loved like hendrix and the beatles and stuff but that, right. to me it was like nirvana was like i think it was probably like for me, like, I mean, I love Nevermind. I, I, you know, I probably heard it like a year or two after it came out. In Utero, though, I remember getting on cassette tape. I remember being like really young and being like, I need to get in Utero. Um, and I like wore that out. I mean, probably though, the real one that like really hit the hardest was the Unplugged. That was always my favorite of Nirvana Unplugged. And because um, like, I think it came out after he died or right around the time he died. Like it was, it was right. you know, and that was like really raw. I mean, that's like I discovered like a lot of, I mean, Lead Belly is covering Lead Belly. It's first time I ever, Man Who Still the World is probably the first time I ever heard David Bowie. Um, I didn't even, you know, I didn't know it at the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I think Kurt Cobain, I mean, I think there's a reason why he like, you know, a lot of rappers relate to him because there's like so much angst in his music and like, it's like a spirit of rebellion. I think I connected that with like how I loved rap. I loved rap spirit of rebellion. You know, it just, I don't know. I always kind of, and, you know, I thought, like, I liked Kirk Cobain's lyrics a lot. I thought they were, like, really imaginative. You know, it, it's just, like, all those, like, you know, Penny Royalty, you know, Francis Farmer will have a revenge on Seattle. These, like, weird titles, you know, like, Polly, like, Polly want a cracker. Like, just, like, weird. You know what I mean? It was so strange. And, like, it was, like, so above my ability to understand it, I think, at the time. Like, you know, he really was, like, a really, like, you know, it was almost like a form of symbolist poetry. And, you know, this is about the time where I like got really into like the basketball, like the basketball diaries by Jim Carroll was probably like, I mean, I remember watching that movie when I was like in, I think in eighth grade, that was like a big deal for me. Cause I had like discovered that book that year and I must've read the basketball diaries. Like that to me was like the first book of like my adulthood, even though it was like third, I guess I'd just been bar mitzvahed probably. So I was technically a, an adult in some capacity, not really. Um, but I loved the basketball diaries because like it was an you know I was related to I was related to athletes who were kind of like weird you know like so he was like this great all-world athlete like playing basketball with like Kareem but when he was Kareem was Luel Cinder in New York in like the 60s but also like a heroin junkie and like just doing getting into crazy shit like meeting all these girls I thought that was so cool and the movie came out when I was in eighth grade which wasn't very good have you ever seen the basketball diaries movie I have yeah it's it's just okay it's just okay it's that's like something actually like I would like I would kill to like make that like a like a series like like a series of like the basketball diaries but of like New York in the 60s and like based on Jim Carroll's life like that would be like like everything for me. Wow. 
but um just like set like 63 to 67 in new york city it'd be amazing you know this like basketball star doing heroin i mean that's what it would be it'd be a really good like 30 episode show um but i remember yeah going to i remember they they used to have a, a virgin mega store and a, they think i think the sunset lemley might still be there um on sunset boulevard in west hollywood and um I got to meet Jim Carroll and he like autographed a basketball diaries poster for me. And I had it in my room. I, God knows whatever fucking happened. I mean, it was so ragged by the time, but yeah, that was super cool to me. It was like kind of like a wash. I mean, he's probably like probably was only in his forties at the time, which is insane. But like, he looked like 150 years old. Like, I mean, heroin did not do wonders for his skin. Right. And, yeah. That movie was not very good. It was like Marky Mark is like five, five playing like a power, like a rugged power forward. And you're like, mm, I don't know about this one guys, you know, but yeah so it's a long answer (laughs) no no i get it it's it's all good and i'm happy you went to the basketball diaries because i actually wanted to ask about like you know like as you're growing up and you're kind of like having these experiences and taking in all this stuff like all this different type of media but like of course like music and film in particular like was there like was there ever a moment when you were younger where you first like directly connected rap and film together as like, or, or, or like not even rap and film specifically, but like just music and film in general as two things that are in conversation with each other? Yeah, I mean, it would, I mean, it, it has to be like those, like the classic hood movies of the 90s for sure, like Boys in the Hood. That was another movie that like I remember like made me cry, like, you know, when like Ricky gets shot and I was like, like oh, not Ricky. Menace Society, <laughs> I mean, for sure, like that was like a classic soundtrack. And like I remember that when that movie came out, I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it like on VHS or something, but that was like a huge deal. I mean, I remember like when Dead Presidents came out, like that soundtrack, like we used to bump that in high school constantly. That's um, classic. Yeah, I mean, like I used to I used to buy a lot of the hip hop soundtracks. So I mean, like High School High was a, not a good movie, but like an amazing soundtrack. I mean, Sunset Park, Above the Rim for sure. You know, that was like a classic soundtrack of the era. Um, yeah, probably through, like, through hip hop soundtracks. Like I definitely like... Um, New, New Jersey Drive I mean there were a lot of um but yeah those were the one like it, I, I'm trying to think of like the best combination of I mean like obviously Belly was a little bit later but like um and not not as great of a movie but like obviously really stylized and cool yeah. uh, like really well made but like not a good movie um but yeah I mean those were the ones I'm trying to think of like I mean, and, and, and I would also say, well, I guess you said hip hop, but probably Pulp Fiction too, you know, when like that yeah. was such, a, I mean, there's no hip hop in that, but I remember when that came out, like I definitely had that soundtrack on CD and that, that was one of the first times I ever was like, like so cognizant of how music and film could like work in tandem, right? Because it's like, you know, where like Urge Overkill, like who cares about like Urge Overkill, like doing like a girl, you'll be a woman soon cover. Like what? Like, you know what I mean? Or like <laughs> Dick Dale, like when he's shooting up heroin, John Travolta shooting up heroin or like, you know, or it's like, like even it was a teenage wedding and the old folks wish them well, where they're doing that dance. You're like, these are songs I never would have listened to on my own, but all of a sudden they became like kind of these like cherished anthems to me just because of this movie that I really loved. Right. So, yeah. Definitely there. Yeah, just like those isolated moments like that's like I can't think of any specific examples right now, but like I can like like there's plenty of songs that I either didn't know or like really just came to appreciate because of a specific moment in a movie, you know, like those were like those were two like really sacred things to me growing up. So 
Like I get it, you know, like, especially, especially for somebody, you know, it, you know, like, you know, like one of the things I love about Tarantino, like there's things I love and things I hate about Tarantino. But one of the things I love is that he's really good at, at picking good musical moments. And like, he's great at just, he's just so good at that. I don't know how he does it, but he's got a good ear for that shit. There's Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, like most of the really great, I mean, Wes Anderson has really unbelievable music cues too. I mean, like, yeah. those, I mean, like those guys, like to their credit, like really, um, you know, like, I'm trying to think who was like the modern equivalent of like i mean moonlight when they did the classic man chopped and screwed that was a pretty unbelievable music. that was that, that was, was beautiful bro i mean there are there are still some great moments but you know not like i'm trying to think of like movies in the last few years i've seen where like the music cues were that good like where i'm like oh uh i mean yeah no nah, i can't really think of ones to the, I, I mean yeah like inherent vice that was really cool but that was like also five or six years ago now so yeah i gotta rewatch it because i because i saw it i was really excited about it and i fell asleep about a quarter of the way through and woke up like 45 minutes later and but yeah but like it's weird because like i fell asleep and then i woke up but i felt like it made as much sense at that point as it would have if i stayed asleep or if i if i stayed awake like it made no difference but (laughs) you know it's the only movie that I would say you have to read the book probably once, maybe twice, see the movie once, maybe twice. And it's like actually worth it. Like, right. where I'm like one of those things where I'm like, oh, like I'm about to reread the book now probably for like the fifth time um, or the fourth or the fifth time. And it's like, I've probably seen the movie like four or five times. It's just like, I, I love it. It's, I'm a, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really big PTA guy. And I'd like, and, and like, I've been meaning to rewatch Inherent Vice and I just have, it. but I'm gonna do that one day. Cause I really, I liked what I saw, but like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You gotta read the book though. Read the book. No, really great. I had the book in my bookcase. Like I'm looking at it right now. I just gotta like do it, you know? Yeah. you got a whole list of shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, okay. So we made it through all of that and, you know, I want to talk to you about writing because like, your your writing style is really like extremely detail oriented and just like the things that you manage to put in your pieces are like really astounding to me because like you write about locations like you've lived in them your whole life like i read like your pitchfork review on the chance album and you're uh, on uh, acid rap and you're just like name dropping these like little like random areas and just like little things that you would think that only somebody who like grew up in Chicago would know. And like, even like your review of um, Illmatic, you know, like, I'm just like, it's like you've lived everywhere, bro. Like, I don't understand how you do what you do, <laughs> you know, like it's um, I'm just like really curious about like your like observational process, like while you write, like, do you like, I know you travel a lot. Yeah. So like, so, so like when you, so like when you're like, when you're about to write something, and you're like really like are you constantly like recording and like writing things while you're walking around or is it just like all like recall like yeah it just depends on the on the story I mean like if ideally like yeah like I mean all like there was a a part of my career for sure where especially when I'd review albums I would like walk around listen to them take notes and like but I don't know like usually it's like I kind of like to leave like improvise I I kind of like to like leave room for like improvisation like I don't really write draft I, I usually write one draft 
I don't do like multiple. I mean, which is like why my editors fucking hate me. I, when, I, when I'm done with my one draft, I'm like, no, I'm done with it. Like, I, I know what I, you know, and that's not always true. Sometimes like a, a, a really good editor, be like you didn't put this in, you didn't put this in. This should be here. Like, those are the best. I mean, I love that. But I mean, yeah, like, and in terms of like, it depends Like when I'm reporting a story, like say when I'm in, in Baton Rouge or something. Right. Um, like for sure, I'm always taking notes. I'm always taking photos. I'm taking video. Um, like just trying to, I mean, that's been like a benefit of the iPhone for sure. One of the, you know, uh, I really, but yeah, I'm always, I'm always kind of taking notes. I try to, I don't, I, I try to like, I wish I did more, honestly. Like I wish I kept uh, more faithful notes of my day-to-day life. Um, it's like probably one of the things I regret the most. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Like I do, I do an insane amount of research too. Um, like I think I could tell bro. Yeah. I do an insane amount of research. Um, I really like to, uh, I think like so much of good writing is in specifics. Um, and I really want to make sure, you know, and like, I'm sure I've got it wrong. You know, sometimes like, you know, there's only so many things you can be an insider about, you know, and like sometimes, right. sometimes you're an outsider trying to be an insider and you botch it, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure people could say that about some things I've written, but you know, I try to listen, like when I'm reporting, especially I try to listen. Um, that's the one thing I always try to over-report if I can. Sometimes you can over-report and drive yourself insane. But like, for instance, like, you know, there's, there's a review. Um, I was supposed to write, it's a very infamous, I'm sure Jeremy Larson's listening to this. He's like, oh, you mentioned that, but I, I totally <laughs> fucked up. Like, and it was my bad, like a lot, of, I, my cat had died and, and uh, we we're putting out the first issue of the land and I never wrote a doggy style Sunday review, which I promised. And uh, I feel bad about, I'm sorry, Jeremy, wonderful person, wonderful editor. And uh, shout out to Jeremy. <laughs> very funny. Um, and an excellent writer. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, but I, but the point, like, okay, the reason why I didn't write it beyond like the actual life shit that just like, I was just not in a good, and then I went, you know, I went to write a children's book, whatever. Um, but I had like a 75 page, like it was a doggy style Sunday review. And I think I had like a 75 page document, mostly about Snoop Dogg's murder trial. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, I don't know what the fuck I would have used, but like, I was so deep in the research thing. I should still write it. I, I, I told Jeremy I would. I, I still would like to at some point in my life, but um, when we're all dead and, <laughs> and Pitchfork is owned by Anna Winter's granddaughter. Um, but <laughs> it like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it just like, it, you gotta go. I always try to like, I, I always think so much of like good writing is about like having a narrative. You have to find the narrative. Um, and you have to really just like, what, what's the step beyond, you know, what, what, you know, what, what's below the surface, what isn't necessarily like obvious on a, an initial listening or initial observation with your eyes, but you know, what is kind of bubbling beneath. And I try to do that as much as I can. I mean, it's, uh, and sometimes like, you just kind of have to like, I mean, just use your imagination on some level, like, you know, to be like, okay, like take a little creative license. I mean, not like, obviously, I mean, you obviously want it to be hundred percent accurate, but you know, there's, I think sometimes you kind of have to like dramatize things, you know, make them, you have to build tension into things. And sometimes, and that, that sometimes requires details, right? Cause like, whether it's a film or like, whether it's a book or whether it's a TV show, like those, the attention to detail is like the little things, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I liked the movie and like love it, but I just think about like Lady Bird. I just popped it in my brain where it's like, he's, it's like Timothy Chalamet's character has like the cannibal ox poster. And you're like, that's such a funny attention to detail. You're like, okay. right. I don't think it's possible. I don't think he would have, but it's just like, 
it's just like like things like that where it's like I don't know you always want that like can you know what I mean? you always want that like little weird detail where you're like oh because sometimes it's like that little weird detail like locks it in your brain right because brains are strange like I don't know like I don't know what the thing is that I always try to think of like when I look at what I'm writing does this click in my brain do I see it what is the detail I'm missing that like will make it click because it's not always like 500 words about a person's appearance sometimes it's like one thing about their personality or like their their shape their eyes I don't know you know the way it's just like you 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 get the mental image and I'm always trying to kind of get that in my own head so I can hopefully you know and sometimes you just fail but you know, just do your best hey man like you know like it's just like 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 your writing is so visceral in that way like regardless of whether it's like a re- whether it's a review or an interview or reporting like you just you take people there in like a way that I can't think of like I can't think of very many of the people who do it the way you do like you know like 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 most recent example I could think of is um your Freddie Gibbs PC wrote for the ringer you know like just like shadowing him and like really like obviously like you weren't there when he was fucking like moving white in his sneakers and shit but like I felt it, you know, like, you, you know, like I felt the shoes he was wearing. I felt the fucking concrete, like. And sometimes you have to ask like one more question, you know what I mean? Where it's right. like, what were you wearing? Like, what do you remember? Like, what, what, what was that? You know, like what, what do you remember about that day? And then you have to like, keep on going in and asking more questions until, and then, you know, you know, you might not just like do it as a, an answer. It just might be like, you know, you're describing it yourself as though you were there, but you got all this information from them. So you, you were there in a sense. I mean, you weren't physically there, but like you, you got what was needed. And of course, right. you know, mercy of someone else's recollection. But I mean, memory is always faulty no matter who's remembering it. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, like, you know, like I just think that that's one of the things, you know, you know, like, you know, like outside of the fact that you just like have such a understanding of whatever it is you're writing about, you just bring a lot of knowledge to it. Like there's just that, there's just those personal touches, you know, like that's the type of stuff that really helps people like connect to a piece and like really get, like that's what a good interview should do, you know. Like, like that's what like a good piece in general. Like, what it's it, what like it should it should there should be something that's pulling you into it, you know. Like, not just like I'm here, read it if you want. Like, nah, like let me show you type shit. Like, I try not to like you know. Like, I just did. I went to like three nights of the Grateful Dead, and it was like I don't know. Like on the real, like I only went because like I only was writing about it because I wanted three nights of really good tickets like you know what i mean but it was i like, mean hey you know. like i i don't want to write about the Dead again like especially like i got other shit like you know but i was like i'll take you know what i mean fine i'll write about it but it was like one of those things where it's like okay now this is a challenge you've already written too many words about them before you know i'd already written one insanely long piece about them and i, I profiled bob weir once and i wrote a review a few years ago of one of the den company shows but it's like how can you kind of write something that has meaning even though you're kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, how can you bring something more out of yourself rather than just mailing it in? You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I don't want to like, I mean, obviously I'm not, it's not the greatest piece I've ever written, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't want my name on something that I can't stand behind. And I think that's like a lot of people, you know, will do pieces for a check. I mean, like for a check and like, I, I try not to really like, you know, as much as I can, like, of course, sometimes, you know, Sometimes you need the money. Sometimes like someone wants to pay you like 
couple thousand dollars or something to profile some fucking terrible artist for a magazine or you know what I mean some corporate thing it's like I mean I've written about Big Sean like three or four times I mean god knows hopefully no one's read it very nice guy but like you know what I mean like I wasn't writing about Big Sean because I liked his music I was doing because I in the words of Makami I wanted the bag you dumbass yeah <laughs> but it was just like whatever like you know it's like you still try to like make it as good as you can no matter what you're doing I mean and because, you know, you you really only are as good as your last piece, you know, and I try to keep that to heart because it's like, you know, you can always, I always like, you know, I don't want to fall off, you know, like, why do like, you know, I always think about like, you mentioned Gibbs, like, I mean, that's something obviously Gibbs, like Gibbs is like a real, like, I I, I fuck with Gibbs heavy. And and that's one, of, I mean, like, as I, I've known him for a long time, but like, that's one of those things that like, why I fuck with him so heavy is because you go through Freddie's catalog, there's nothing that's halfway. Freddie has no bad verses. Freddie has some verses that are great. Some verses are just fine, but he has no bad ones. You know what right. I mean? Like he has no, because Freddie never, he's no bad albums. He never mailed it in. He never, he never just like did some whack shit for money. You know, I mean like, you know, really, I mean, of course, like I said, like I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some European shit. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's like, right, right. Euros, like paid Freddie 10 grand for a verse and like, they probably are out there somewhere. <laughs> um, but you know but like at the same time like i just don't want to like you know i think it's really important to kind of like try to i don't know i guess i'm kind of old-fashioned in, in a lot of ways you know like i really like i i think like that's kind of one of like my sadness about our society is like there were a lot of bad things about like the past you know i i, I don't think it's that even i don't even think we're talking about because they're pretty fucking obvious you know but there were like some good things about the past too and like in all, you know what I mean? All of humanity. And I think like in our rush to be like, to, we just like cast aside everything. That's, that's a very American thing. We are not a culture that like believes in tradition very well. Um, I think that's partially one of the reasons why hip hop is so great. Cause like, you know what I mean? It's like, like, it's cool now that like we have like a guy like a Makami or um, like a Fatboy Sharif who really are about the tradition. I love that, you know? I also love the fact that there are guys like RX Nephew where I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, this kind of reminds me of Raz Cas is the nature of the threat. And he's like, Raz, what? Threat who? <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? That's good. Like, I, I want both, you know? And I think like that is something that I guess like I, I guess in some way I kind of, you know, I think there's artists that are like radically like disconnected from any tradition whatsoever right there's artists that are like very much a part of like a tradition and are trying to bring something new and like you know i think kendrick does that really well you know to his credit um i think he's like a really great artist and then sometimes you can be like jay cole and you're like just you're way too steeped in tradition you know what i mean like you you haven't killed your idols you have to kill your idols to some respect you know you can't just be an imitation of them right and unfortunately is now most of culture because it's like you know imitation pays well because it's like you take the real originator it's like we're saying about little baby earlier you take the true originator who's like i mean i don't know you probably say it was wayne ultimately if you really you know that style kind of comes yeah and then something really crazy to it and then little baby kind of made it like more and gonna and you know and and Sababy and you know Sababy's cool I like Sababy but like, I love I mean, Sababy yeah I like all of them too Gunna has some cool shit too like I'm not like not even hating on any of them but it's just like it you're always going to be like I, you know Blockhead tweeted something about this once and it was like 
like I think I think Blockhead's like a really great producer, like you know the Aesop Rock producer, and you know yeah, of course, own stuff with Ninja Tune, yeah, of course. Um, I think he's great, but like Pretty Lights took his style and and ran with it, and was playing like Red Rocks, you know, at you know huge stadiums and our theaters. And uh, Blockhead, you know, he, he's got a good career, but he, he's not playing like 20,000 room capacity. And that's always kind of how it works. You know, you see it with like, you know, the, the, the generation that like kind of steals it. So I don't know. I think it's important to kind of, I just, I, I, I don't know. I guess keep all these ideas in your head at the same time, you know, when, and then once you start to actually create something, forget them all. <laughs> you know, right. Just, <laughs> just like I'm so focused on this, I'm not thinking about anything else. Yeah, and then just pave over it and just recreate it all over again. You know, seventy five times. What am I stupid? Do this. Oh my god. There's um um there's a couple pieces of yours that I want to touch on really fast because like I really feel like they get to that essence that I love so much. The first one is uh the, um the piece on Matt Villainy. Uh, searching for tomorrow that you wrote for pitchfork which yeah. is just like this really like really in-depth like very uh thoughtful breakdown of one of the greatest albums of all time so like what was so like what was it like kind of bringing that story to life um well i'd already interviewed madlib for like an la weekly cover story uh a few like a year or two before that um and yeah i, I think the assignment i don't even remember what the assignment. i think it was just like do you want to write about mad villain i was like yeah and then, like, it ended up in the Pitchwork Review. I don't know if it was originally commissioned for Pitchwork Review. I think it wasn't, to be honest with you. I think they were like, you gave us, like, 7,000 words or whatever the fuck I turned in. And they're like, we can put it in the magazine. I was like, cool, thanks, guys. Y'all are the best. Um, which I'm known to do. Which is, like, I'll be like, I'll be like yeah, it's going to be, like, 2,000 words. And it's, like, 14,000 words turned in six months later. And they're like, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, interviewing Madlib was kind of, you know, he's not exactly the most talkative person. But I already had some stuff. And he was gracious you know I, I interviewed uh you know egon for that doom would not talk to me which like i'm so sad about like I, god knows i wish that i mean like they tried like allegedly i mean i think like they kept on hitting up doom to talk to me which is such a shame like i you know who knows it's like so sad how that is it's like i wish that doom had really done that you know i mean he obviously did other interviews but i'd like to think it could have added like another something to it um right. and you know and uh I, I talked to Jeff Jank, who was obviously a big part of it. I think I might have talked to Peanut Butter Wolf for it too, because it was at his house. I mean, they they recorded that at the bomb shelter in in, in Mount Washington, uh, which is like a suburb of, or it's not a suburb, but it's like a neighborhood in uh, kind of northeast LA. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, you do a lot of interviews, you listen to the music a lot, and then you would kind of like you kind of have to like piece it together in your brain, like kind of like recreate how it maybe went down. And then sort of like, you know what I mean? It's like, I remember it started like, you know, I don't really remember. I, I recently reread it, I think when Doom died. So it's a little more fresh in my memory, but like, dude, I didn't even remember writing half the shit. I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember writing any of the sentences that I wrote. And I, but I just remember it's like, I think I was asking and they were like, yeah, Doom came to LA with his mask. And like, he was wearing the mask all the time. And then I was like, man, like, that's so weird. Like he, he, he must've like checked the mask on the baggage or like maybe it was a carry-on you know what I mean? and it's like and then you have to like think about it and like you're like oh wow okay like well doom was just like no one knew what he looked like he was just daniel dumoulay just like you know it's kind of overweight balding kind of like you know dude who like no one ever really like could recognize just like 
imagine him like you know what i mean think about it like doom is like packing doom had to like pack a mask like but just for a business trip you know what i mean like it's just you're going to record like what like you know right. what I mean? bring the mask and um but like he did so then you're like and like i think it's like that's dedication to bring the, you know what i mean and, but it's like then you're like oh well he was so committed to that that mentality it's like of course he bring the mask so then you kind of crack it a little bit and you're like okay you know and then you have this like it's like kind of a mystery story, right? Because then like the Stones Throw guys are like, how could we get a hold of Doom? Madeline doesn't want to work with anybody but Doom. Okay, we got to get a hold of Doom. Ethan, Egon knows this guy. Okay, so he knows this guy. And then we need to like track him down somehow. And, you know, we'll get him out to Georgia. We'll get him out from Georgia. And it's just like, it becomes like the series of things where you're just like, okay, it builds on itself. And then you kind of have a narrative. And then like, you know, once you have a narrative that to me is the most important thing. I think that like, you know, people love stories. I mean, that's, that's a fundamental component of, of, of humanity. I think really it's like, you know, we, we, we understand ourselves through stories, you know, we, we understand other people through stories. Um, and it's like how to really tell that story rather than just be like, okay, well, like the synthesizers sound like this color and the lyrics are like this. And you know what I mean? Like, I, I just never like, was that appealing to me to be like, you know, and there were a bunch of like white critics that would just be like, oh, well, you know, start comparing it to like, I mean, I'm guilty of that for sure. But like you had a bunch of critics that would just be like, it's compared to like this surrealist painter. And you're just like, Ugh. like, I'd so much rather just be like, all right, what's the, what's the history? Cause I'm like, I, I was saying earlier, I'm like, I love history. Like I'm really interested in the history of things. Like I want to know more. I want to learn more. I don't want to read a fucking review and be like, all right, this guy just like fucking so masturbatory. We're just like, this is, or like, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm never really that interested in like what mad villain meant to me. Like, I don't give a fuck what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, who are you? I, I don't think I'm that, you know what I mean? But to be fair, sometimes that can be really interesting. It's just, it's very rare when it is. And I think as a writer, you have to be really cognizant of like, you know, when it is worthwhile to bring yourself in. You know, the, the right. grateful piece I did for, for, uh, for Vice like a few years ago, six years ago now like you know that to me was like I was like I had these like deep loves and like uh, that were somehow connected to the Grateful Dead and like that was so much so deeply connected and I, I knew that so many other people must have too so that like made sense to you know bring yourself in um but I in general I try not to bring myself in too much like hopefully in my books if I ever write books which I'm allegedly doing um <laughs> soon I think um yeah I'll probably bring myself in more um I think it's a better medium you know I I, I always like it's like, you ever read like Lester Bangs? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like one of those dudes where I'm like, yeah, like you're kind of interesting, but like I could have done with like 40% less of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I didn't need you talking. It's like, it's like I went and like when I wrote that Post Malone piece, um, like a few years ago, I guess like three years ago now. Mm -hmm. It was years ago, Halloween, I think. I think it was, yeah, it was that weekend. Um, and, but I remember like, going back and reading like Lester Bangs' Mark for, or uh, James Taylor's Mark for Death, like a famous like Lester Bangs piece. And I thought like, I would be like, cool, I'm gonna like kind of like riff on this. And then I like reread it and I was like, dude, like nobody needs 4,000 words with the trogs before you start like dissing James Taylor. And I just like got it and I was like, I just like threw it away halfway through. I was like, I'm fucking care, I'm gonna write this fucking piece. But I like the idea of it, you know, like I was like, cool, well, Mark Post Malone for Death in your own way. But um, yeah, it's just like, you have to kind of like, I used to read a lot more like I used to when I first started reading pieces like I used to when I was younger I'd be like really like nervous and I'd be like okay I need to like read this for inspiration 
And, you know, I, I do that a lot. You know, I used to steal a little more. I mean, I probably, hopefully I'm stealing now more subconsciously, sharp stealing, but you know, it like, like for like, it, like, you know, even the, the, the dumb children's book that I wrote, um, I shouldn't say dumb because it, it meant something to me, but like, you know, like I, I, I rewrote it this spring, just the intro, I added a prologue and like in hindsight, like I was like, oh, you were kind of ripping off like this author I love, Italo Calvino. And like, I didn't realize I was ripping off Italica. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just started doing that. And like, like, I was like, okay, cool. Well, you probably are like, but you know what I mean? It's like good when you're like not consciously doing it. Like, and I, I think I used to more consciously do it. When I first started writing, I would be like, oh, well, and this is like when I was like 22, 23, I'd be like, oh, well, this is cool because this sounds like this person and this sounds like this person and you, you're original because you're doing this blur of all of them. But that's like, nah, you're really just the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, basically. <laughs> it's like, you gotta like do your own thing, you know? Yeah, yeah you, you gotta like, figure that out. You when it's interesting. Right. You know, like, I feel like, you know, like, I think that's cool you bring that up because, um, like when like I feel like when most people start out writing, they're usually like a they're just like a composite of all their influences. And I think that's fine. You know, like, you know, you know like passion has to come from somewhere type yeah, shit, you know, apprenticeship. yeah, for sure. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, like, you know, like as you as you start to get into it and get more seasoned, you start to develop your own style and noticing your own things and covering your own beats. And, you know, like that's how you get molded into somebody who can write um you know thousands and thousands of words about vanilla ice and not have me be bored congratulations on the fucking vanilla ice interview because like that's the that's the most i've ever enjoyed reading anything about vanilla ice in my life like wow thank you i'm I'm, man come on like nah like it's it's like it's like it's a really fascinating story and like i knew little bits and pieces but just like you know like like i wasn't like i was an infant you know, like not to not to not not to do age bullshit, but like I was an infant when Ice Ice Baby was popping off. So like, and it was like the first. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was young too. I mean, but I was a lot old. <laughs> but like, yeah, it was it was not like I wasn't like certainly out of the club. Like with Cinnamon Lies, although my right. dad, my dad like did like he like I remember him telling me about it like months before. But like it was just that was one of those things where it was like, you know, it was like okay, you know, Vanilla Ice. Like I kind of was thinking about it. And I was like, you know. He kind of got like, I, I think it was like, I forget what I was, I was doing another story. And I was like going through like looking up what things sold. And it was like, that was like, I think, I don't know if it's diamond, but it was like, it sold so many copies, right? And I was right. like, Christ, I was like, damn, like the 30 year anniversary that's coming up. And then I was just like, you know, it's kind of weird. It's definitely, it's like kind of like in hindsight, like probably like with all these whack white rappers now, like really whack white rappers. Like, I mean, I was like talking about this with Andrew Barber the other day and like we were both like fucking around like half serious. So like, man, it's too bad we were like not like 15 years younger. Cause like, good, you don't even have to be good. I mean, I was not a good rapper. I'm sure Andrew wasn't a good rapper, but like <laughs> these rappers suck. <laughs> like now you just have to have a vibe. <laughs> like, yeah. back then, good. like I remember like rapping and I was like, you're not bad. But then I heard like Aesop Rock or something, right? Like, or like, I mean, Emin- forget Eminem because like that was his own thing. But like, I would have been more like in the model of an Aesop Rock, right? And I was like, well, you're not going to be that good. So hang it up, dog. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> you know, like I was like, I don't think you have it to be as good as Aesop Rock. And I was like, if I don't have it to be as good as Aesop Rock, you know what I mean? Like, and it was like, I was like, you probably don't even have it to be as good as Idea. So like, maybe. Damn. Idea was kind of good though. But like, I mean, to be I fair. I liked Idea. I liked Idea. Good. But. <laughs> 
um, R.I.P. I mean, but, sure. um, but like, I was like, you might have it to be better than MC Paul Barman. I think I could be better than him. And then I was like, that's not a high enough. That's not good enough for me, you know? Uh, yeah, and, no, 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 no. And then, but, you know, maybe I should have done it because then I could have collaborated with Mike Eagle at one point. So it would have been, you know, Mike, maybe Mike would have been a fan. But, yeah, it just was one of those things where I was like, damn, like Vanilla Ice. And I was like, man, like, he kind of was from Dallas. And I was like, that's kind of weird that he's from Dallas. I love Dallas. And I was like, Dallas, like, always never, always gets short shrift in conversations about hip hop. And then right. I was like, so weird that he's from Dallas. And then I was like, okay. And then I started like reading more. And I was like, it's so weird that he like was like on like like the, the hood of Dallas. And I was like, man, like, and like this is like 1988, 87, right? Like he must have been mm-hmm. good. Like, and then like I, you know, and it like, and then it just kind of went from there. I was like, and then I had the idea I really wanted to ground it in like Dallas. And like, in, because he was independent too. Like he wasn't like a major, like they, they, he wasn't like, he became a puppet of the major labels, but that wasn't how we started. Like he had an indie deal. You know what I mean? So it's like, really like, you're like, Vanilla actually was kind of like the first white rapper. He kind of did it himself. He was the only white boy in like a basically entirely black neighborhood. Like, so, you know, in, at that time you had to be kind of good because nobody would have given you props at that point. Right. Was, Especially not in the club type shit. Yeah. Oh, no, no, like it was not like today. And um, I mean, it's like Jack Harlow. It's like, yeah, he's fine. Like a no, no hate on Jack Harlow. Like we've, but like, it's, it's like, that's the guy, you know what I mean? Like, this is the guy, <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't, it, I, I don't, I don't quite get it. I guess maybe I'm not supposed to, but yeah. it like, it just made me kind of, and then it just went from there. And then I interviewed Vanilla S and I was like, damn, Vanilla is like a great interview. We talked for like three hours, which probably, yeah as you could tell, I'm rambling, so it's probably partially why. I mean, like, you know, like, I get it, though, because, like, there's a lot of story to tell there, and you really you really just, like, took it in so many different directions, and I learned so much, and I walked away, like, wow, like, I've, like, I just never thought I would have felt that way about Vanilla Ice in my life, so, you know, no. like, and, and, like, I really feel like that's the job. I feel like that's the point of a piece like that, you know, like, to really, like, give it the proper context, and even if you don't appreciate the music, to just, like, help you get it yeah that's what i mean that's what i was saying i mean it's like kind of like the most small stakes version of it but like i don't know it's like that's like a risk in some like level like i mean like i was like writing that piece for like two and a half weeks and like like i mean like shout out to my fucking editor justin sales at the ringer who's like the best editor and like a great writer too and like just a awesome and um right he uh he let me, you know what I mean? He let me like do it. But like at the same time, like I turned it and I was like, dude, like I'm giving you an 11,000 word in a life story. This is, I think I've lost my fucking mind, you know? So. Yeah. No, I get it. And like, you know, it's just, uh, and like considering, like, I love me a good long read, but like you just, just the fact that you managed to just put all that information in a way that just flowed that way was just really beautiful to me. And then, you know, like, and, and then, you know, like you look at some, like something, you know, like he's somebody that you obviously didn't like grow up with or like, no, like that, but you like, you kind of gave us this like, almost like brotherly sort of look into like who this man is and like what his music meant. <laughs> and then like, you gotta empathize. Like, I mean, like maybe like, I mean, that's like the, you know, it's like, again, like maybe I do sometimes too much, but it's like, I don't know. I, I was thinking about that and it's just like, just how like, culture is so subjective on some level or cultural perception i should say not culture but cultural right. perception is so subjective it's like why did we ch- you know it's like dude he got it dirty i mean like he like they put him in the shiny suit 
he blew up. He made a couple of slick talks, slick, slick comments about, about Hammer. Made a couple of, like dumb white lies, pun, pun not intended. And um, <laughs> he he then like was like you're like dude and like you got like you got the axe like you had Jim Carrey in his prime like just gutting you like a fucking fish on in living color at the height of its you know I mean like dude like how can anyone recover from that like Jim Carrey like that guy was like he was a career destroyer so like you know and then and then no sorry what nothing nothing I was being stupid (laughs) but you know but, but, but like then you take that type of you take that type of thing over to something about the piece you wrote about your grandmother and about how she survived COVID. And, you know, like, that's a whole, uh, like just you, like that story really touched my heart to read, especially like as somebody who also had a family member go through COVID. So like, it's, it's um like, I read that piece before it happened, but like, I kind of thought about it a little bit as I was like talking through with my, um, my, um, my person who I won't mention, but, um, you know, it, it was just like, that was, that was just so heartfelt. I wouldn't even call it heavy. It was just really heartfelt. Thank and you. to kind of like see you just kind of see like as familiar as I am with all your music writing and all the other writing you do, it's just like to see you kind of go that deep into yourself. You know, like we were just talking about like how it's, how like like how much of yourself to put in something and like that's all you and your family you know like that was like i mean like not to like be like coming off like i'm gassing my editors because god knows i'm not trying to be like such a sycophant but my editor there like is uh mayor roshan at la magazine like really Mm -hmm. to to really like he's one of the only editors i've had that like i gave him a first draft and it was good. And I was like, people will like this draft. And it was like timely because it was like right in the middle of when COVID was really fucking hitting LA hard. Like that was like when it was like everyone in LA had COVID. It was fucking crazy. Right. And I, I was like, get it out in this issue. Like, if, you know, my grandma, you know, and then he's like, you know, I want you to do something even more, like go deeper. You know what I mean? Like write more. Because I was like trying to hit a word count because it's for print. Go deeper. I'll, I'll publish whatever. You know, they ended up having to cut a few hundred words, which kind of you know was frustrating. But whatever. I mean, it still was a came out well. I was happy with it. And um, but you know, you just, sometimes like I, I think like I'm I'm like that 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 he's an example of like an editor that like is willing to take risks. And like I'm like and like a lot of people have you know dismissed some of the LA Magazine stuff like with some validity for sure. Like you know he he for instance like they did a story on Ryan Adams recently, right? Ryan Adams, obviously a pariah for, you know, I, I don't have inside information, but seems like pretty good reason, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, that, that Ryan, Ad- like there's nothing that Brian Adams or Ryan Adams has done that makes me believe he was like such a great person. But right. he did a really, they, they published a really even-handed piece on Ryan Adams and like what it's like to be, you know, a canceled person and trying to get his career back. They didn't pull any punches. They didn't write it as a glorified, like, oh, Ryan Adams was wrong. It was just, it was just good journalism. And I think that's really a dying art now where it's like, you know, it, 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 I think it's the job of a journalist to really address like the naughty issues in society, you know, and like, and like, and like, it's, it's, like we, we, the Jesus and Miro thing that got to hear both sides is like, I mean, obviously it's like, it's a very, it's a funny joke that has become a meme, but like some, t- and I think the trick is, right. It's like being a good thinker, right. Where it's like, yeah, you do have to give both sides, but it doesn't mean you have to agree with the other side. 
You just have to present both sides. For instance, like I just did a story. I, and look, it's by bi- my story is biased. I'll be the first one to admit it about the DA. I mentioned it earlier, you know, that yeah. we, were, we were, when I was, we were going to do the first, you know, it was like, you know, it was a three, it was a, almost a 4,000 word piece on the, on the DA in California. And, you know, I had been, you know, pretty vociferously advocating for George Gascon to be elected instead of Jackie Lacey, you know, due to my experience watching Draco kind of get run through the system and how like they, it just was a corrupt system that she was running. And, you know, he won and immediately, um, you know, he has been public en- enemy number one for a, a, a collection of people that are mostly Republicans. There are some kind of independents and some like kind of more centrist Democrats um, and, you know, who have been just mercilessly attacking him. They blame everything from homelessness to crime to, you know, like some, something happens in the city. It's the DA's fault. That's insane. Like, it's actually no. It's like, first of all. It's crime happens, unfortunately, in a big city. It's we're never going to get that's a fact of human nature. Second of all, it's probably the criminal's fault, like for doing the crime. Like it's a personal decision. Like they're, you know, third, like it's maybe the police officer's job to stop it or like create, you know what I mean? Or like to like do th- and, it, and then like, the, it, the list goes on, whatever. Like it's a stupid or even totem pole to create. I would never do that. I'm just giving an example, but like, right. Like, George Gascon gets blamed for everything in fucking LA now, which is, and, and like, he's a guy who's trying to do real criminal justice reform. You know, you can argue whether it's effective or not. Like, I mean, that's, again, a subjective take. I mean, I would say that, you know, the the, the two DAs that, uh, the Ira Reiner and, and Gil Garcetti, who are the 90s LA DAs, who are very tough on crime guys, basically wrote an op-ed in the LA Times, like, last week or two weeks ago, being like, give him a chance. Like, don't, obst- you're making us less safe by obstructing his reforms. Like, these aren't, that, you know, and, you know, so I was, but, but my, I guess my long-winded point is, you know, I wrote this story and it would have been very easy for me, you know, this for the land. And it would have been very easy for me to just only talk to George Gaston, to only talk to, um, you know, the, the woman in his office who actually was the wife of one of Draco's attorneys or Draco's brother's attorneys. Um, and who, who has been getting a lot of heat herself. You know, she's a black woman from Inglewood and she's dealt with a lot of like bullshit and racist heat. Uh, you know, I, I'm talking also to um, Malina Abdullah, the you know, LA co-founder of Black Lives Matter. It would have been a really biased piece for me to only talk to them. Now, in my heart of hearts, and I think if you read the piece, when it comes out, it's pretty obvious where my allegiances stand. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't hide that. But I thought it was important to talk to one of the, like one of the victims rights advocate whose son got murdered. I thought it was important to talk to, um, even if I don't agree with her, I, with her political take. I mean, I, I have a lot of compassion for her losing her son i mean it's tragic you know i talked to the head of the da's association uh, oh i, d- I disagree 100 of what he was saying i talked to the head of the recall attempt for george gascon um you know these are people i don't necessarily agree with politically for the most part you know the the woman actually the victim's rights woman was actually a democrat but but i thought it was important to include their side in it because i think it makes your point that much stronger to have like a degree of like this, like, you know, this like stereoscopic view to take everything in. And um, I think we lose that. I think we've lost that a little bit as, you know, and and because I would argue it's because of usually an often a right-wing manipulation because there are not alternative publications anymore. Like you, to read a story about the DA, you'd almost have to read it in the LA Times. You, in fact, you invariably would, or you might be able to read an LA magazine um, or, you know, and, and that again is a more of a mainstream publication. You know, it's not like it's a, you know, it's a corporate owned publication, I mean, great editor and they do a lot of great work, but you know, and the LA times has to be the LA times. The LA times has to do the both sides thing. You, you, you know, I don't want my news 
slanted. Like I want it down the, not, not necessarily down the middle politically, but I want it like, I want the facts. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, uh, I'm looking, I'll look to the op-eds and the commentary for my opinion stuff, you know? And, um, but then there's nothing left if you're talking about LA local media. I mean, there's the, the they have an LA podcast. That's good, but I'm not, I, I don't listen to that many podcasts and like they, um, they have, uh, you know, they'll have like knock LA and LA taco, which are amazing sites in LA, but they also don't do long form journalism as much. They do a, a little bit, but it's more, you know, in the 2000, you know, 2000 words and less stuff. again, very valuable news outlets for the city, but they're also not necessarily alternative. One is, you know, a, a, a unabashedly like it's a, they're connected to their pro, uh, progressive political nonprofit. And the other one is kind of just more of a general cultural publication. Like they're not really ideological in any way. Um, the land, you know, I, I also would say we're not ideological, but the land is something that's more, you know, it's pretty, it's left in its politics, like uh, without trying to sugarcoat that, you know, it's, 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 in, it's up there. It's, we'd never hide that, but you just don't get someone mixing reporting with opinion that much in the news when it's about like politics, political stuff. I mean, you may be the new Republic or something, but maybe the nation, but beyond that, maybe sometimes the Atlantic, but there's just not that much of that on the local level. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's really, um, it's important. I think to just do that in, in, in journalism as much as you can, even if it requires you to kind of have uncomfortable interviews with people and, you know, with people you don't like and you can you know you can interview them and be fair you know you can just be honest it's you know people always respect you nine out of ten times if you're just honest even if they don't agree with you yeah definitely and you know like that really does like you know like that does come through in a lot of what you do because um you know like you know like whether you know like whether it's you whether it's you kind of like painting a picture of what was going on during draco's court hearing or if it's just you kind of like laying out the story of being with your grandmother when she was sick, you know, like there's, there's just like, you're thorough in that way. Like, like, and, and like, I do agree that it's really good to like, I do agree that some of the most important and vital journalism that we have is extremely thorough. And even if it doesn't like present both sides, quote unquote, like it's at least like, it, it like like stuff at least offers enough context and history on whatever else it is to kind of you know, make I, it I, I think offers both sides you know where you like okay this is what someone would say that like you know didn't like the album or this is what you know and here's why i think it's not true you know what i mean that's all you have to do right. is like acknowledge it so it's like you just cover your bases you know right yeah you know but you know like that's like the bare minimum shit but totally. you know like, be like more often than not you know like one th- and this is kind of sort of related and you're like, we're, we're, we're going to wrap up here. I only got a couple more things to ask you, but like one thing, you know, like outside of you as a writer and outside, you know, it's like outside of you as like your own writer who does your own shit, wherever, like one thing I love about you is just, you have offered a platform to so many people, like whether that's musicians with, with, with power recordings or just like up and coming writers with a um, passion of the Weiss, you know, like, just so many up and coming people who have never like worked in the field before and like just want a shot at something. And like you sit down and you work with people and like, that's, I think like, I think that's just as vital as anything. And like, I really do believe that POW, both the site and the label are really these are really like two 
of like the last bastions that like our kind of subset of people have to really be heard and to develop and like you know like what like when did it kind of dawn on you that that was a really important thing that you felt needed to happen um i guess when like probably like in terms of label the label side which is a shorter answer it was like you know it was i started like chester i discovered chester watson you know shout out to chester it's amazing um like when he was 16 he like sent me a video on twitter like very you know i've said this a bunch of times but like he was like you won't regret this and i remember just being like high as fuck and this must have been like <laughs> I mean, chester's like 24 now so it's like eight years ago it was a long fucking time ago and just being like yeah it was like probably 13 or 14 and i just remember being like damn this is incredible like i was like am i just high and like i like the person next to me i was like is this great and they're like yeah it's like okay um and then you know i was like emailing with him and i was like you know we just covered i, I think i did a blog post about him and like you know when he was emailing me and like and then I was like, yeah. And I was like, well, what do you want? Cause he was like 17 or 18 at the time. I think he might've been 17. And he was like, yeah, I'd like to sign the, like a label. Right. So like I, I hit up a couple of labels of people I know and no one wanted to sign him. And I was like, I guess there aren't any really like, I mean, there are a few good indie rap labels, you know, like Mellow is, is good. Closed Sessions does good work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, trying to think of, like, I'm, I'm going to blank on like other death bomb does some cool shit that with rap sometimes. Um, there, there, there's plenty of good ones. I'm sure I'm forgetting. So sorry to people I'm forgetting. Um, but uh yeah, like, I just was like, I don't know, there's not that many indie rap labels, and I was like, certainly not ones that, you know, I never really, I, I didn't envision it to be mostly rap, I mean, even though it obviously it makes sense that it was mostly rap, I mean, I still would love to sign other artists in other genres, I just don't hear that much stuff where I'm like, damn, I would really love to work with that band, or that group, um, you know, we, we've only put out well, Pioneer 11, and we, we had another singer that didn't quite um, put out more than one or two records with us. But um, yeah, and so I was like, oh, I wanted to do kind of a label of the stuff that I, you know, grew up like loving, like Stone's Throw and, you know, even like the other indie labels who you know, people don't consider indie labels like No Limit, Death Row, Cash Money, like um, yeah, all of them really, I mean, hip hop is all independent labels. And like, I just felt like the major labels do kind of stifle creativity in a lot of ways. And um you know, you have these fucking, you know, I mean, I, I look definitely, I mean, I definitely am an A&R who plays an electric guitar, I suppose, but like, I, I like to think I'm not like that, you know, I think I like contain multitudes, even though I've never played the electric guitar, but, or mountain climbed, but um, I am in the mountains right now, so <laughs> I guess I could, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and so I just like did that, and I was like, cool, I'm gonna do this as an art project, and just like, if I don't lose money and like people like it and then Chester's album like was past cloaks and that did really well. And I was like, cool. Okay, well this is something, I mean, and still like, dude, it's such an uphill fight. Like, I mean, I have no, people are like, you don't have distribution. I'm like, no, well, I don't have distribution because no major distributor has really wanted to take a chance on me. And to be honest with you, they don't really like, unless you're like Alchemist or Earl or like one of their like homies, they don't put you on playlists if you're independent. Like, you know what I mean? Like Gibbs did, but like you have to be big to get in. You know what I mean? They're not putting, no one's putting Fatboy Sharif on a playlist. Even, you know, and which is fucked up because I'm like, damn, I heard him and I was like, this is incredible. Like I heard, um, right. I heard Gabe Nandez for the first time, like years and years ago via Chester. And I was like, he's great. You know, I, like all, I mean, all like, you even like someone like Wi-Fi God who's like popping and like has like, you know, we're putting on an album with him in, that's our next album. And like, I don't, like Wi-Fi God's not on like big playlists. Like what the fuck is wrong? And, you know, right. one of these huge distributors that are like, you know, and, and, and people don't care because people don't, you know, they, they, they get like, you know, they only get what's fed to them and that, that's unfortunate. And uh, so I just, you know, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to like, I would love POW to be able to, I mean, I'm so far from ever being like a living off, off either the website or the, or the label. I mean, so far, 
but uh that's why i mean i have to freelance and do a bunch of other things but um mm-hmm. and I, you know to be honest with you I, I don't even know if i'd ever want to i i, I think there's something kind of tainted about if you're like a, a, a label person that's living off of like hits you have to have a hit i never wanted to have like a mortgage where i was like oh I've, if I, I have to sign you know what i mean there were plenty of artists i'm sure i could have signed that would have been big bigger than the ones i've had but like i really wanted to be like i don't i don't know like i was one of those things where i was like i don't want to like have to like email like people that like i like and respect and have worked with and like know me and like my editors and colleagues and be like yeah like here's like this new project from this white rapper that I know will be huge but like I don't you know what I mean but like I don't like his music and Mm. so I really wanted to like love everything that I put out and I I think I can say I mean I don't think there's some albums that you know some albums I like more some albums I like a little less but I love them all you know like I I think all the artists on the label are great like I would like ride for them to to the death like as talents so that makes me really you know like I but it's like it's an isolating world so I really like you know and I guess it's the same with the 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 website, I mean, for me, like I started the website, I mean, God, like a million years ago, now 2005, it was like not even a music site. It was just like me, like ranting about LA while I was writing a novel that never got published. And I was like, oh, I need a digital presence and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I mean, that's why the name is Passion of the Wise. Like I never would have chosen that name if I thought that it would have been like an actual thing that would be haunting me 16 years later. And I was a fucking kid, you know? And, but then I want to say it was like, I, I, I think I like, it was like one of those things where it was like, okay, Martin Douglas was like, uh, you know, like doing a Tumblr. And I was like, oh, would you ever want to write for me? And Zilla Rocca, same thing. Uh, you know, another Real Notes guest. Uh, Shout out to both of them. They're great. Amazing. Yeah. Like two of my best friends in the fucking world. And like, those are like, you know, like they're brothers at this point, you know. And, um, but they, uh, you know, they, they started doing stuff, which is actually really funny. I didn't tweet about, I meant to tweet about this, but like Zilla got, like I was just interviewing Nas like a week ago and <laughs> uh, I dragged myself with a story and then go back, but I was just interviewing Nas and like, I didn't want to do it. I mean, I did want to do it cause it's Nas, but like, I also had like, I guess on my book and like work on my book. And like, I was like, Oh, I don't have time finishing my magazine. But I was like, they're like, the, you know, they're like, I was able to negotiate a decent rate. And I was like, fuck it. It's Nas dude. It's print. Like, come on. Don't be a fucking yeah. Asshole, like you're gonna get to interview Nas. Like, you should fucking interview Nas. You've never done that. And I was like, cool, like, great, okay. So I, I, I'm like, all set to do it. And I'm like, cool, I'm gonna like work really hard like this weekend, get all my stuff knocked out so I can do the Nas piece next week. I'm here from the editor. And I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, you know, I figured Nas's people were probably just being like, like difficult. Like, then it's gonna be one of the, you, I'm sure you've been in there, like, it's gonna be like Wednesday at 2 p.m. They're like, okay, can you interview him at Thursday at 8 a.m. tomorrow? And you're like, Ugh. and they're like, fine. But, um, <laughs> So then like, they, they, they're they like, well, Nas doesn't want to do an interview with you and won't do an interview with you. And I was like, why? And they're like, this. And it's a fucking blog post that Zilla wrote in 2007, <laughs> Passion of the Wife's, under the cause column, The Beat Generation. And it had my byline on it, but then like underneath, you know, where it's in italics. And it was only in my byline by Jeff Weiss up in the, the formatting thing because it like, just it's so old that we didn't change bylines when we like switched right. like, years ago or whatever. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I didn't write that. By the way, he also has written why Nas is his favorite rapper on our site. Oh, here's a Pitchfork 10.0 I wrote about Elmatic. Like, right. <laughs> Nas won't do it. And the post was about like why Jay was better than Nas. And I was like, you know what? Jay's still better than Nas. Because Nas, yeah. <laughs> I was like, because you know what? I've written some sideways shit about Jay, but Jay once like, Jay like, Jay through a back channel once really complimented me on a piece I wrote for LA Magazine about uh, the force fires, which is so fucking weird. But like, cause like, 
Jay, you know what I mean? It's like Nas is not reading my fucking piece about the forest fires, but Jay sees all. <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, that's cool. Like, that's dope. Jay-Z, you're a real one. Nas, you're still a real one. Who am I to say you're not? But that was some bullshit. <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> like, I was like, Nas, you still made it was written in automatic, but come on. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I didn't get to do that because of Zilla, but I still, you know, it's so funny. And um, but anyways, so yeah, I mean that, those two started doing it, and I, I want to say it was around like there was like a second generation kind of cropped up like around like the early 2000s like uh or not not early 2010s to mid 2010s and like you know like a bunch of writers came in and um did some really great work and then I guess it was really like around the time when all the magazines started like folding and like or like cutting back and like to see someone like Alphonse kind of you know go from writing for the site to being like you know one of the best critics today you know Jonah Jonah Bromwich does a lot of like uh, big stories that like New York Times he used to write for us constantly um, yep. watching. Uh, I mean, there's so many writers that I'm just going to blank that or Craig. I mean, Craig did like two pieces for us. I mean, right. Craig, the same age, but it's like, I remember Craig, you know, I mean, obviously he did the potholes in my blog thing, which was like really his like platform, but you know, Craig did a couple stories for us. And then like, you know, Chase Serrano did a couple stories for us. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, those are some of the biggest writers in America right now, you know, and Donna Chesman did a couple stories for you too. Yeah. I mean, Donna's the best. I mean, yeah, she, yeah. she, um, you know, and that like, yeah, seeing Donna, that's a perfect example, right? Seeing Donna publish a book on Mac Miller, like, you know, after, you know, and like getting the, published donna's first stories really i think like yeah there you go donna, yeah she's, she's <laughs> a, 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 a gentlewoman and a scholar and truly uh, and uh but yeah like seeing her career take off yeah and like it, it infor- it's unfortunate that there are not all weeklies anymore because that's where you learn to cut your teeth and there are not really good daily there's no either the rochester newspaper doesn't have a music critic you know most newspaper most city newspapers don't have a music critic maybe the rochester one does i doubt it but like it you know it watching everything die i mean i I really i mean really like i mean i would kill to have somebody like help me more and like i mean we have people helping me but we need so much more help to really run the website and like edit and train other writers because i'm like dude i'm fucking old like i got shit to do i gotta write these books like i've been like i've been you know I got to like hopefully write a TV show or a movie or something one day. We'll see. Um, and then I'll come back on here. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'll do. But um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it just became one of those things where you're like, damn, like no one's really doing this, huh? Like no one is really teaching younger writers or like providing a platform and community for them. And like, to be honest with you, that is also one of the things that has meant the most for me is like seeing like, like, Jason Buford and like Harley Geffner and Alphonse Pierre like be really close friends. You know what I mean? Like fuck yeah, the man. shit. I mean, and J- Jason, perfect example. Like it's blowing up right now, and like uh-huh. so fucking happy. I, nothing could make me happier. And what? But just watching them like become like lifelike. You know what I mean? Like like I you know watching people like become like actual real friends and like those are like people that you have a deep connection with in life i mean it, it's, it's honestly i mean it's corny as shit to say but that's really what it's all about like it's about fostering that and like that is an unfortunate dying thing in our society i don't quite get it so to be able to kind of help carry that on is is as meaningful as probably any other professional like achievement i've had right i mean it makes 
perfect sense because you know like once again you know like you and i met for the first time at the showcase in brooklyn maybe like a month ago at this point and all those people who were there between jason and jade and Svets and you know anthony malone and just like all like all these like wonderful people and alphonse who was there too you know like all these wonderful people that I've like known and like been running next to and like seeing, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously not on POW yet, but like seeing y'all, like, like you guys have like POW has been inspiration since I found it in like 2015, son. Like, like speaking as somebody who's like a fan of what you do, you know, and like, and like how you help people and like the people that you trust. Like, I know that if you trust them, they're probably worth trusting. Yeah. I mean, type it, shit. It, like, <laughs> it's kind of like a I, I try to keep it like a secret handshake type thing you know I, we've never like done like open solicitations for writers for that reason or it's like right. i don't know i always like the if you know you know kind of you know and same it's like, it, never, it never will be like uh the biggest website ever <laughs> but you know it's just like one of those things where it's like i don't know like my friend once described stone's throw as like He's like, it's like an ethnic restaurant where you like walk past it and you see in there, like everyone is of that ethnicity. So you know that the restaurant must be good, right? Right. It's like, you know, it's not just like some gringo shit that they're just like, you know, and I was like, that's facts, kind of facts, like, facts. DAW was like, I want it to be like that kind of thing where it's like, all right, well, it's like, you know, it might not be like a five-star Michelin restaurant, but like the food is really good. And if you know that like, you know, you go in there and you see only chefs, you know, or people yeah. that like, love food, you know, or like, people that really like care about it and how the food is made and sourced and all that dumb shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, like, I think like, like, I just think that that's, you know, like you said, it's kind of rare. You don't really see, like, you don't really see writers. It's almost, it's almost like uh it's almost like how the label system doesn't really fucking like train artists in nope. that way anymore. You know, like, 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 like they want you to come train straight out the box. Yeah, type so, shit like they they want you with their own with um with like your own numbers and your own fans like you really you know like from what i yeah take a risk you know what i mean right. like i'm the artist you know sometimes you don't know who like i would say this i was like i don't know you don't know what the fuck's gonna be in somebody's heart numbers only numbers only predict yesterday they don't predict tomorrow you know mm. they don't you don't it's like with athletes too it's the same thing it's like i always thought about myself as a writer i was like well like i'm playing the long game here like you know i'm not I'm never going to be like the hottest, like I've never been, you know, I, and I've seen so many waves come and go. I mean, like I've seen so many websites be like the darling website or the darling Substack now, or like this person blew up on Twitter and like now they're getting like a book deal and whatever. Like I, I, I great. I mean, if that happened to me, awesome. Like, cool. Like I wouldn't, you know, but I always wanted to be like, when all was said and done, you know, like, did you leave behind a body of work that, hope, you know, and I feel like, I feel, I mean, not to say that I have, because to be honest with you, I feel like I'm like, maybe this is part of like, hopefully why, you know, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm mm -hmm. like, I feel like it's taken me 20 years almost or like 18 or, you know, the site started 16 years ago. I feel like it's taken me like 16 years to like get to like where I wanted to be when I was 25 or, you know, when I was 24 or whatever the fuck it was, you know, 23, who the fuck, knows? you know, but it's like, yeah. it's just like when you had these like ideas, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I thought I'd be like published at 25. Like I, I thought I'd be like a famous novelist at 25, but like that does, that's not the world we live in anymore. You know, no one's looking for the next, I mean, they're like F. Scott Fitzgerald's not writing this side of paradise and getting popping and like, you know, what would it be now? You know, 
who the fuck knows? I don't even yeah. know. I'd be like a TikTok person or something. Yeah. You know? eight, 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 18 Vino. Rest in peace to 18 Vino. That was F. Scott Fitzgerald. Fuck rap is his fucking great Gatsby, son. Like, <laughs> you know, like rest in peace to that kid because he was amazing. And I'm so sad he got cut down. But, um, you know, I just think that's like, yeah, I just, um, I agree. Like, sorry i'm just i'm just trying to process everything you just said just like it's eight answers to one question so <laughs> no it's all good i'm just like i get it you know like i'm a, you know like i'm i'm a, i'm i'm younger than you but i also feel like i've been in this game for like almost a decade now and i feel like i'm just getting started but like but, but you know, like i remember just kind of being in my position at watch loud with my og jerry barrow shout out to jerry forever he's the fucking best um and like jerry and max weinstein they put me onto your site and i was like this is like this is the stuff that i love you know and like to see to see you still doing this and like cultivating this space for people for artists for writers and just like really just being like just killer at your craft man like just like as a fan and as someone who's like, just thank you. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Just thanks. You know, and you know, your writing is excellent. And like, uh, it, again, like, you know, obviously you haven't run for the site, but like knowing that, you know, like seeing, I, I don't know. I always felt like you were kind of like uh, sort of one of those things where it's like, uh, like, kind of like i mean like how like mob deep weren't technically in wu-tang <laughs> you know <laughs> but like raekwon and ghost did a bunch of songs with them you know what i mean so it was like right. uh you know so it's just like it and like Nas. you know it was like kind of that little world but like yeah i mean seeing your uh success has been really happy because it's like uh, made me really happy because it's important that um you know that like people like you've obviously put in your your ten thousand hours and like forgive me for using such a straight phrase but you have done that and like it, it's important that people like also who understand like the culture and 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 hip-hop as more than just music and i'm not like saying necessarily in the four elements like kind of corny way but like on a kind of just like a deeper level where you dig and you know you discover artists and you, you know you think really deeply and critically about it that's really it's really important because you know i feel there's a lot of people that you know, I don't know for whatever reason, like, I mean, it's just, we live in a cloud era, you know, so people get into it and who knows what the fuck. I mean, they're, they're, but I, I, I think there's, there's, I'm, uh, it's, it's all about being a part, I guess, of like a, the transmission. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to help. You have to, because otherwise like these bridges get cut down, you know? And so it's, it's, right. important, you know, and like, you know, obviously DJ Booth did an excellent job kind of helping you get to the place and, you know, where you could get to this place, you know, and watch loud. Yes, they did. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's important to keep this ecosystem alive. But I always think about journalism is pretty similar to like the food chain, you know, you cut off one part of it and, you know, it like things start to die, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, we're all the bridge. And that's, as, as we move on, that's all I want to do. And yeah. just, and, and just like, you know, like, just like seeing people like you and Z and Jerry really kind of like put on for younger people in that way is just like it's just nothing short of inspiring so like yeah you have to because otherwise yeah. like i've said that before but like not to be like gucci man or jeezy you know what i mean it's like i'm not talking about their music i'm just talking about like their approach to life it's like yeah gucci like was right like gucci put on every one of these young atlanta rappers i mean he's older than i am like you know what i mean but he's still kind of relevant so like 
he's doing something right. Like he has that energy. Like you have to have that, like you, you know, and it's like, and it's also like, you know, it's, it's, it's a symbiotic thing. It's like, you know, I have younger writers put you up on shit. Like you, you know what I mean? Like maybe like, I don't know, like Harley, like I don't like Chief Keef as much as Harley likes Chief Keef. I mean, I like Chief Keef, but like, but you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, like someone like, is that obsessed with that? Okay. Maybe that's because you're not of that generation. And like you, you start to just develop a deep, deep, deep appreciation of things and right. really understand kind of things in a more thorough level. So I've definitely like, I mean, it's definitely, I benefited a lot from like being able to like be around younger people. It's like, you know, it's like Miles Davis. I mean, same thing, like one of the greatest artists of all time. It's like Miles Davis always would shift his band every five, four or five years, you know, because you want that, like you want that youthful energy. It, like, you know, it. you have to become a master, but like, you know, in his instance, like he became a master, but like was able to kind of evolve because of like being around all these, these people that are bringing different energy and ideas and perspe- perspective on things. And I think that's really important too. Right. And you're doing that, you know, and like, we need more of that. <laughs> we always need more of that shit. So like, I don't have any more questions and we've been talking for almost three hours. <laughs> I didn't even look at the fucking clock. Like this is the odyssey of interviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You already know, like this is, this is, you know, like everything you see that we write, like this is this is usually how long the shit goes sometimes <laughs> but um you know like jeff man i know you're like the busiest motherfucker on the planet and you're working on a book that i can't wait to read and um just thank you for taking the time and just yeah. and just like thank you for like all the, like all the things you've done like yeah man like i can't say it enough just like thanks for thanks for being a real one honestly you're, you're welcome and uh hopefully if I ever stop becoming one, I'll expect you to tell me like via text or DM first though, not like publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, I I appreciate that. And thanks for having me and, you know, congratulations on everything. And um, yeah. And if you're reading this, uh, the land should probably be out. If you're not in LA, you can get an order online. It's like a DIY uh, nonprofit community oriented magazine. That's about LA politics, food, entertainment music obviously everything in a, it's everything la based but it's also i'd like to think like you know it's 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 a fucking beautiful magazine i like we have an amazing brilliant uh direct uh creative director named evan solano who yeah. designs it all and it's kind of I, I, he makes it like an art piece and you can buy it online um at thelandmag.com or just like you know on twitter being insufferable so you can just find that and uh yeah it's free in la too so if you're around la you can if you find a copy it's free so we drop it off. right Go pick up the land, support independent journalism, support yeah. good writing, support good ears, support good hair. You know, <laughs> you yeah. got all of that shit. All so, there, like, all there, <laughs> sir. <laughs> real recognize real. Y'all ready? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.